4: Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles? Oh, and they're insanely comfortable and machine washable. Get yourself a pair today with free shipping at rothys.com using promo code AG. And thanks to Betabrand for supporting Muller, she wrote. Who says comfy can't be work appropriate? Beta Brand wants you to look good and feel good even at the office. Go to betabrand.com slash AG, all lowercase, and get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants today. Hey, guys, this is A.G., and with me right now is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. Uh, Jordan couldn't be here, uh, but you're about to hear the episode we recorded yesterday before the summary of the Mueller report was sent to Congress by Bill Barr, just probably about a half an hour ago. And we thought it pertinent to record a small blurb about the summary prior to playing this episode for you in its entirety. Um, first, uh, this summary, the, I'm calling it the Barr summary, if, it's exceptionally discouraging. So I, I feel, I feel you guys right now. The top line takeaways are that Mueller did not find evidence, beyond a reasonable doubt, by the way, that Trump or the campaign or any associate knowingly coordinated, colluded or conspired with Russia. Uh, The important piece of that is beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, The summary does not say there is zero or no evidence, uh, and it should be clear that the Mueller report does not exonerate the president or say that there was zero evidence. Trump's campaign had a whole series of inappropriate contacts with the Russians and then lied about it on multiple occasions. But the scope of Mueller's investigation was very narrow, as we're learning uh, through this report. And it was investigatory in nature, not prosecutorial and not conclusory. But before I'm comfortable saying there was no collusion, uh, I need to see the full report. Barr quoted Mueller in the report, but we don't know in what context. Uh, I'm not saying that there's a big but here, like he said, no collusion, but, and then there was a bunch of redacted stuff that we haven't heard about or that's just in you know unredacted in the report, what we aren't seeing. But without the full report, I don't think we can draw any conclusions, really. Especially important to note is that Barr's summary states specifically that the no collusion he's talking about is that Trump or any of his buddies worked with the Internet Research Agency in Russia or the hackers into uh, the DNC and the DCCC. Uh, to conspire beforehand against the United States. And that's interesting that they specifically bring up those two instances of collusion. That's not even the kind of collusion we've been talking about this entire time, guys. What we've been talking about is whether or not Trump or any of his associates entered into any quid pro quo with the Russians for sanctions relief or policy obligations. None of that kind of collusion, quote unquote, is mentioned in the bar summary. And that is the kind of collusion that we have been trying to discuss for so long. Uh, Seth Abramson even pointed out on his Twitter that he never accused or thought Trump had actually gotten with the Russians of the Internet Internet Research Agency troll farm and, you know, Guccifer 2.0 and all them ahead of time to plan all this. That was never something he was even accusing the president of. But that Mueller didn't exonerate him on those two points fully also is very interesting. All that they're saying here is that they didn't have the 90 percent plus proof beyond a reasonable doubt to indict or Mm -hmm. to recommend an indictment or to rise to the level of the legal standard of Beyond a Reasonable Doubt to be able to charge somebody with that. So the fact that there could be evidence that he did that and it just didn't rise to that level is astounding uh, to me. But there's nothing in here about the kind of uh, squid pro crow, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. That we've been talking about this whole time exactly you know like did he get half a percent of the Rosneft deal through the cutter investment authority in order to relieve sanctions or ease the language in the uh, RNC uh, platform about Ukraine uh, right remember not even mentioned in the bar summary now the second part of this uh, bar summary addresses obstruction of justice And the obstruction piece says that Mueller drew no conclusions about obstruction of justice. This is likely because the president wasn't interviewed about obstruction. Even the written questions Mueller submitted to him had nothing to do with obstruction of justice. And it explicitly says that Barr and Rosenstein are the ones that have concluded there is no evidence, sufficient evidence. Again, that's not saying there is no evidence that Trump obstructed justice. What's clear to me is that we were just incorrect to trust Bill Barr. <laughs>
5: yeah, our justice porn didn't really <laughs> work out.
4: Our, exactly. When we did our, wouldn't it be great if they were in cahoots?
5: And we did mention that was Big Space Beans, but I guess we just mentioned it so many times that I started to believe it.
4: It was more funny than real. True, um, true. And so, hey, hats off to everyone who warned us about Bill Barr. Right. Um, our, our, our support of him was tenuous at best, if not even just humorous. Um, yeah, yeah. But he seems to be making and drawing his own conclusions um the man who wrote this is the man who wrote memos to get this job that trump put him in stating that the president could not be charged with obstruction of justice and he's the one who's making the determination that the president didn't obstruct justice. Yeah, so we really should assume this coming. Important to remember that. <clears throat> what concerns me here is why there were so many lies to cover up any of this and, and why people like Flynn and Gates got such sweetheart deals, why Manafort was offered cooperation in the first place, even though he blew it up. Uh, what's clear, however, is that Mueller concluded that the Russians did try on multiple occasions and by myriad means to interfere in our election. If the GOP wanted to take the findings of this report and run with them, all of the findings of this, even just Barr's summary, they need to run with all of it, not cherry pick it, and accept that Russia did interfere and will again, and that they should take steps to mitigate that or at least acknowledge it. Yeah, that'd be a good start. And not doing that, not taking that part of what Bill Barr has said, is indicative of the fact that there could have been these quid pro quo Uh, coordinations, conspiracy aiding and abetting, which may not have even been investigated by Mueller in the first place.
5: Right. Like even if it's not directly related to Trump um, or even let's say not even indirectly, because that's a whole different thing. Let's just say there were Republicans doing
4: their own thing. You know, it could have been. Yeah. Um, Still unanswered uh, is if the Trump campaign was helping the Russians or at least acquiescing, just not to the legal standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. And only in those specific lanes of collusion, and not the other ones, the quid pro quo ones, uh, for policy and and exchange for ease of lifting easing of sanctions. Right. We don't know. Uh, and also in question is why so many investigations went unfinished so shortly after Bill Barr was appointed by Trump. Um, something else to explore is Trump's policies surrounding Russia, and we've kind of already, you know, dove into this because, again, the letter from Barr does not state there were multiple offers or excuse me, it does state that there were multiple offers from Russian affiliated individuals to assist with the Trump campaign. And this is why we need to see not just the full Mueller report, not the Barr summary, but the Mueller report, Uh, but we also need to see the accompanying underlying evidence um, that, that he supplied, and we know he supplied. What knowledge did Trump have of those offers to assist with his campaign, and did those offers influence his policy toward Russia, even if he did not act on them in a cooperative way? That's the kind of collusion we've been talking about for the last year and a half. That's the kind of quid pro quo I, I want the answers on. And I don't know if Mueller even investigated it, um, but I think Congress is, and we need to see that in the report. Absolutely. Pelosi said that. She did. Yeah. So top takeaways. We should not have trusted Barr. <laughs> <laughs> the Barr report does not exonerate the president or his associates or his campaign. We need to see the full report. And call Mueller and Rosenstein to testify. Uh, this, on its face, and at the moment, will not be enough to impeach, as as it is right now. Uh, this bar report gives Trump the ammunition he needs to pardon his buddies. That's important. And this gives the president extremely good talking points in 2020. This will energize his base. So now we are not only up against the Russians uh, and up against a giant piece of shit, now we're up against his base, which is going to be energized by this. And that's the one... Thing I'm confused about why this went down this way. And I I just I don't know if this whole thing was usurped by Barr and Rosenstein or that's why I really need Mueller to testify. Oh, yeah. So we need to focus on the issues in 2020. Uh, And we need to stay on top of uh, the state investigations into the inaugural, the Trump org, and also not just the state DA and AG investigations, but the U.S. attorney's offices investigations into the inaugural, the Trump org the Trump Foundation, the Trump campaign and his kids. And finally we do not know what Mueller's findings are. We only know Barr's summary uh, to Congress though he did quote Mueller saying he did not, he did not find collusion um, but I don't think he would have said that <clears throat> knowing like he wouldn't have said that because I think he knows at some point the full report will come out but I think that's why he narrowly defined it as no collusion as far as Trump and the Internet Research Agency and Guccifer 2.0 getting together ahead of time and planning this whole thing. Uh, that's just that narrow lane mm-hmm. that he's, he's been, quote-unquote, exonerated of. And again, it's not no evidence. It's just we didn't have beyond a reasonable doubt. And again, there may have been some level of coordination, but not enough to rise to that standard. So as we've said, Mueller was never going to bring charges unless the evidence was overwhelming. We knew that. But Barr found a way to submit his findings without releasing any of the underlying evidence. And we may find that the underlying evidence could be enough to impeach, uh, but we may also not. That might not be it. It depends on the scope of Mueller's investigation. Did he even look at quid pro quo uh, type of collusion?
5: Right. It's really falling into Congress's court now.
4: It is. And, And we've been saying that Mueller is not the messiah right we can't save us right we have to depend on ourselves which is why we elected a Democratic House and we now we depend on them to investigate this fully
5: right and then going into 2020 November 3rd that's back on us we got to vote again because Trump might like you say he might not get impeached he might be on the ballot again
4: yeah he might and he actually might have more support now Based on the cursory bar summary findings of quote unquote no collusion, which is just applying to a very narrow definition of collusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, the idea that there are any sealed indictments. Um, the bar report says there are none. We know that there are sealed indictments on the docket, several dockets. However, we do not know, nor have we ever known, if they belong to Mueller or not. Uh, I personally am not counting on that. Um, I'm counting more on the state AG and DA investigations and the U.S. um, attorneys' offices investigations and the congressional investigation. I think we're up to 19 Mm -hmm. separate um, federal agencies continuing these investigations. So it's now in the hands of the House Dems to get us the whole story. And uh, we will be following it. I seriously doubt that Trump will take a hard stance against Russia And that they actually did interfere in our election. So we have to run on the issues in 2020. We have to vote in numbers too big to manipulate in 2020. And in the interview at the end of this episode, which you're about to hear in its entirety uh, that we recorded yesterday... Um, We posited that uh, he would leave it up to us, and it appears that he is. And we were talking to Andrea Chalupa, and she said, we are the mullers we've been waiting for. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that was just a really prescient and and important point that she was making, and we've touched on it before. I'll be extremely upset if the House doesn't finish the obstruction piece because that could set a dangerous precedent. Uh, We need the full report, and we need the underlying evidence. Absolutely. So, guys, chin up. Um, I know you're probably taking it from all sides on social media today. I know we are, uh, but remember, these were very narrow lanes um, that that Bar summary is reporting on no collusion pieces, mm-hmm. and that and that it doesn't fully exonerate him of that means that he could have done some of that. He could have made you know participated in some of those behaviors as well, just not to rise to the level of chargeable.
5: Exactly. Yeah. And Nixon was never, you know, officially charged. And, and that whole case went through ups and downs. I feel like we really just have to resist, you know, not to sound so cheesy, but this is when we push back. You know, it's not going to be easy the whole
4: time. Yeah. And, and be careful with the, the mainstream media right now because they are just simply reporting no collusion um, and they aren't defining those lanes that we've talked about. Uh, they are saying, obviously, that the obstruction was decided by Barr, uh, but that he he determined there wasn't enough evidence to charge, or, you know, he he might also think that even if there was enough as evidence to charge, that presidents shouldn't be charged with obstruction of justice, which right. he's said in multiple memos. It's what got him the job in the first place. All right, guys. So that's it. And uh, enjoy the episode. We love you, and we'll see you uh, Monday night we're starting the daily little daily drops yeah all right guys i've been ag i've been julissa johnson and this is muller she wrote
6: this is joyce vance and you're listening to muller she wrote
2: so to be clear mr trump has no financial relationships
1: I hope you're able to find the 30,000
0: emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
4: Hello, and welcome to Mueller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me as always is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. This is the final episode before our live shows this coming weekend in D.C. at the Miracle Theater, March 29th, and the Bell House in Brooklyn, March 30th. Tickets are almost gone, so get them now. Uh, We will be joined by Natasha Bertrand and Katie Fang at the Miracle Theater in D.C., and Andrea Chalupa from Gaslit Nation, and Matthew Miller will be with us on March 30th in Brooklyn at the Bell House. Uh, We're really excited to come and meet you all. Uh, Speaking of Andrea Chalupa, she'll be here today for the interview later in the show, and check out her amazing pod, Gaslit Nation. Uh, Jaleesa, you're going to be going over Mueller's response to Corsi's lawsuit. Jordan has the wonderful story about Nunes, my favorite. Yes. Uh, and I'll be covering new insights on Brody, Flynn, Yang, and Gates, and it's big. So, yes, the Mueller report dropped, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, tickets are also available for Largo in Los Angeles April 18th in the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis on June 14th. And, oh, my God, I found out this week, Andrew McCabe is a patron of Mueller, she wrote, and he and his wife have been listening to the Muller She Wrote book club coverage of his book, The Threat. So be like McCabe, become a patron at patreon.com slash She Wrote. You'll get all those book club episodes ad-free uh, before we make them public. And you'll also get ad-free main episodes, the full-length midweek update uh, ad-free. And soon we'll be recording daily. We just need 7,000 patrons and we're at 6,991. <laughs> Wow So we're almost there We can't thank you enough Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the show Because we are also developing a show called Daily Beans But patrons, you'll get weekday updates uh, Starting very soon uh, Before that show even comes out And then you'll also be automatically um, You'll be patrons You'll be grandfathered over into the Daily Beans As a patron of Mueller She Wrote So you have them both And they're going to be overlapping for a while We still have Bijan Kion's trial in July, and we've got Stone's trial in November, and then there's just going to be all sorts of news that comes out from uh, all the spin-off investigations from <laughs> Mueller's probe, if you will. Uh, I have a shout out to Brad Hutton, that's Aaron Hutton's husband, who fell off a ladder spectacularly rescuing their cat from a tree. Uh, I wish you had gotten that on video, because I feel like the cat might have planned it. Uh, anyhow get well soon and thank you for loving podcasts enough to break your bones for them oh, no. very cool
5: brad thank you
3: yeah get better dude my dad's back is really messed up right now and i just got back from taking care of him actually and Aww. uh yeah it's it's brutal i think it's a herniated disc but backs are a trip
4: they are my uh the hubs has two bulging discs oh, right God. now it's just giving him like the like wicked headaches yeah awful so get on the mend and uh keep saving podcasts because they're important anyway with that out of the way it's time for everyone's favorite new segment corrections
7: it's a mistake it's hard for me to say i'm sorry oh i made a mistake <laughs>
4: All right, first, to everyone who sent me emails saying that Earth Day is April 22nd and not April 21st, it was originally April 21st. And if you don't believe me, check out the opening to What Are We Going to Do? by Dramarama, released in 1991, when Earth Day was still April 21st. It's April 21st,
2: and everybody knows today is Earth Christmas. Happy
4: birthday. All right, here's a correction from the midweek episode. We were trying to figure out what a triggerfish was. Apparently, they are cell site simulators, also called stingrays. Very fishy. Uh, and they allow law enforcement to locate and monitor cell phone activity by tricking phones to connect to them like they're cell towers. I remember there being some dust up last year when Fox News was putting out warnings that the deep state was caught setting up triggerfish. Uh, which makes me wonder if someone in the White House leaked that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks for that information on what the trigger fish was. Uh, we received one email saying the term Dirty Sanchez was too politically incorrect, uh, even for us. Uh, even though I disagree on many levels, in the spirit of fixing it when there's no skin off my back, uh, you know, like why why would I fight to say something that <laughs> hurts other people's feelings, Yes. we've decided to rename the Dirty Sanchez to the Dirty Burt Reynolds, since it's about the mustache. So... There's that. Jordan, can you add that maybe to the FAQ? Oh, sure. What a Dirty Burt Reynolds is? (laughs) Because I think it'll come up. Sure. (laughs) On our website. (laughs) Or just that we've renamed. Sure. Uh, Out in the spirit of political correctness. Uh, I've also received some emails saying my compliment sandwich is actually a shit sandwich because the compliments are the bread, and you name a sandwich by what's inside. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> we also got some recommendations, uh, like calling it a compliment sundae. Uh, someone referred to it as a fluff-stab-fluff. Fluff. Uh, either way, <laughs> I-, I love getting your corrections, so keep them coming. Sounds Fluff-stab-fluff fluff sounds nicer than shit sandwich. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, poop sandwich. Sounds like
3: a brutal day for a pillow.
4: Oh. Fluff, stab, fluff. <laughs> yeah, or Just who- another
3: day as a pillow.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or someone who works in the porn industry. Yeah. Uh, agricola is a noun of the first declension in Latin, not a verb conjugation. Thank you. It's, a f- it's farmer, not to farm. So thank you. Uh, it's been tw- friggin' 25 years since I took a Latin class. Um, the pronunciation of Trump's golf club is doral. Uh, that's the one I was trying to. Is it Doral? Is it it's Idiot Land? Uh, and Matto isn't married, uh, but she is in a long-term relationship. And she was actually fishing this weekend when the Mueller report dropped. Um, so our our canoeing canoodling story may have been true.
5: Canoodling, you? yeah, I like that. If we can all go together too. It can be like a trip, you know, like for the whole group.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like news camp. Mm-hmm. All <laughs> All right, guys, it was a huge week. So let's jump in with just the facts. Alright guys, there was a lot of stuff that happened before Friday and I think Friday might have erased it from our memories so I just want to go through all the news that happened <laughs> before the Mueller report dropped um, We don't know what's in the report um, We know that Barr is reading it uh, He was supposed to give a, a like a, a cursory summation of the report to Congress uh, today He's putting that off um, It might still happen this weekend I think that that can only be I think that might say something, you know, if it were if it were a completely exculpatory report and it just completely cleared the president of everything, I don't think he would need time to review it. I think he would just come out and say there was no collusion. So this may be indicative of, of something more. We also know that the report was supposed to just be what he indicted and what his declinations were, what he declined to indict, mm-hmm. but that the report was more comprehensive than that. So there's a lot of material in there that just has to be gone over. So... I don't want to read into it too much. Um, I I want to... We'll go over the report when I read the report, basically. We already know Trump's going to say it, it exonerates him. Um, we've known this...
5: Totally clears the president. Yeah.
4: Thank you. We've known this the whole time. I, I, I was still not prepared from the onslaught on Twitter of just all these Trump supporters who come out of the woodwork and tell, you know, tell us like, aha, your podcast was for nothing. Okay. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I don't know where in the podcast this whole pep talk should go that I've really been steaming up in my brain. But this does not change the fact that everything has happened. Greg O'Lear had a really good thread on Twitter that just lists off all the things that have happened with a big in all caps. That happened. Yeah. It's like <laughs> that is all shit that has happened and is continuing to happen. Mm-hmm. And committees are investigating it and other courts and U.S. attorneys are investigating it. And it's not anywhere near being done and for people to think at all that this is like, in it, like, okay, there we go, that's it, I guess we were all just tinfoil hat wearers this whole time. It's like, no,
4: don't. All this stuff actually happened. Yes, <laughs> don't
3: let that shit like cloud your brain. You know, no. this guy, like, it's still an awful administration that one thousand percent I think is guilty of crimes, mm-hmm. and or at least major violations of policy, potentially impeachable offenses, and we'll see what happens
4: yeah and don't be sad. there's a million reasons why it, it could have gone this way, and again, I don't want to speculate, but it it could be as simple as um you know, they don't want one centralized target uh f- by Trump and Trump supporters and Trump allies that you know he's already he's been handing these off uh, and like we've been talking about, it's a- it's like a cancer, it's insidious. there're tendrils everywhere. Those still all exist. The end of the Mueller investigation doesn't mean the end of all those other investigations.
5: Right. The bots are just trying to distract us from that
3: fact. Exactly.
4: And can you imagine, like, were we as amazing as it would have
3: been for it to come out and be like, all right, Trump's getting indicted and he's not president starting tomorrow. Like that would be amazing, but that's obviously not what was going to happen.
4: No. And we knew that. And we've been talking about it and, and talking about Mueller's role as an investigator and not a prosecutor. And, and I, we, I think we've, we've prepped sufficiently for this. So we're, we're still here. We're not changing our name. we we'll keep reporting on everything that continues to go on and everything that has come out of the Mueller investigation. So don't worry. Uh, Everything is still the same. Like it's not, Do you know what I mean? It's like, all yeah, still totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all still fuck
3: Right. Yeah. I think there was this feeling in the air that it's like, you know, the second that dropped and that news dropped, it's just a new day and everything. You know, is different now and it's really not. No, it's not.
4: Uh, and we will, we'll be here to tell you all about it. So let's head all the way back to Sunday. Uh, here's one thing that's happened. <laughs> we learned from a, a Czech news outlet. Czechoslovakia news outlet that FSB, formerly the KGB, did in fact have two large Russian hacking operations set up in Prague. Um the Oh (laughs) I'm so dumb. (laughs) I've called it the strong as steel dossier, and I was like, the what and the huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) eleven forty one. Cool. Three two one. And as we all know, the Steele dossier had alleged that Michael Cohen had gone to Prague to pay off Russian hackers in the summer of 2016. Cohen still denies this, uh, though a mobile phone in his name was pinged near Prague during that time. Uh, These firms closed down in 2018 after being broken up by Czech counterintelligence. So Steele was right, again, when he said Prague was a sort of hub for Russian hackers. Yet another piece of the dossier corroborated. And those are the facts, but here are the beans. Either Cohen was in Prague and is lying, uh, because he has changed his story on this Or Cohen sent a proxy to Prague to pay off the Russian hackers And he had one of Cohen's phones with him
5: Either mm-hmm. way is bad for Cohen, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely
4: I mean, unless he's told all this to special counsel It's in those redacted pieces that we don't know about As part of the cooperation that got him off With no additional jail time from the special counsel's office Which is feasible, but I don't know We'll find out at some point, maybe uh, Speaking of Cohen, we got unsealed warrants uh, from the raid on his properties last year. So, so these warrants show us that there were two kinds of violations investigators were looking for. They were looking for bank fraud violations and subject violations. The bank fraud violations were false statements to banks. Uh, they include the tax fraud, taxi medallion shit, wire fraud, false bank entries. And then they call those the bank fraud offenses. And then there were the subject offenses, which include illegal, canta- illegal campaign contributions, campaign finance offenses, and conspiracy as it pertains to both of those things. Those are called the subject violations. But there's an entire redacted section called, quote, the illegal campaign contribution scheme, which is fully redacted because it's part of an open and ongoing investigation. That's what the document said, which means, to me, they are looking to charge additional people, Uh, perhaps not in the Mueller investigation. But that, as we all know, Cohen's been handed off to the Southern District of New York. Um, probably uh, the Trump Organization executives who signed the checks. Maybe even Trump himself could be implicated as an unindicted co-conspirator. We don't know. Uh, Perhaps if they won't do it while he's president, they'll wait until he's not. But this redacted section is like almost 19 pages of material. And that just says to me it can't just be the the McDougal and Stormy Daniels payments. There has to be something else going on here. And another huge clue to there being something else going on was that Mueller had probable cause that Cohen was acting as a foreign agent as early as July 2017, breaking FARA, uh, the foreign Agents, foreign Agents Registration Act, uh, basically lobbying Trump on behalf of Russians or Russian interests. So that could be part of the illegal campaign contribution scheme. We don't know yet. Finally, my favorite part of this story is a lot of what was recovered from Cohen's iCloud was only able to be retrieved because of a law Trump signed last year. (laughs) Uh, Initially, when feds asked Google for all the documents from Cohen's iCloud or Google Cloud, excuse me, Google Cloud account, they refused a lot of it. Google's like, no. But thanks to the Cloud Act, um, the cloud, the Russia cloud, uh, they were forced to hand them over in April of 2018, including Gmail uh, materials, emails, Google Drive stuff, and Cohen's address and contact list from Google. As we know, this case has all been handed off to the Southern District of New York. Like I said, we will keep following it. It is not over, so there are open and ongoing investigations, and we know that because this week the Cohen warrants were released. There are redacted parts of it because of open and ongoing investigations. So that is not over. Uh, We have some Epstein updates this week, including something really horrible we learned Sunday. Julissa, you reported about this in the midweek episode. That sweetheart deal he got from Alex Acosta, who's Trump's current labor secretary, Uh, we know Epstein got off with kind of jail and a small fine like he had to go to jail at night and he could be out during the day Um, and a small fine for having sex with at least 30 underage girls. But what we just learned is that the one count Acosta picked to charge him with was a 16 year old girl so that Epstein would not have to register as a sex offender in several states because 16 is considered the age of consent in those states and in a related story. They came out Wednesday that came out Wednesday from Politico. We learned that two people have come forward anonymously to request the documents in Epstein's case remain sealed. Uh, And now we know that Alan Dershowitz had actually pushed to keep the press out of a couple uh, out of this a couple weeks ago, even though he was one of the folks requesting the records be unsealed. But of these two people, one is the victim who doesn't want her account to be made public. The other is a John Doe. So we know Dershowitz wanted several records unsealed to disprove and discredit allegations two women have made that they had sex with Dershowitz at Epstein's direction, but the Miami Herald wanted all the records unsealed, uh, and the appellate court asked for any objections to be filed Tuesday. Right before the deadline, one of the victims and an unknown man uh, have requested the documents remain sealed. So space beans, but maybe Dersh publicly asked for some of the records to be unsealed in attempt to look innocent while then secretly asking all the records to remain closed. Or maybe maybe someone else entirely is making the request. We don't know, but we'll keep you posted on the court's decision. That guy's gross. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we learned Monday that Broidy's offices were actually raided by the feds last summer. And what they were looking for sheds a whole new light on the Mueller probe or its spinoffs. And I'll go over that in Hot Notes.
3: That's true. What do we call it now? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck. The we Mueller think spinoffs. think about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Mini-Mullers. Yeah. Did the Brady Bunch have a spinoff? I don't think so, because the Brady Bunch reference couldn't <laughs> apply then.
3: Damn it. If it did, <laughs> I, I think, think it, I think it happened it. in a rehab center.
5: Right, right. <laughs> We'll think of something.
4: It's like a Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley. Yeah.
3: I was
5: named from the uh, Cosby show spinoff. I'm so glad it's not the actual Cosby show. Oh, yeah. oh. I'm that much removed from him. Whew,
4: narrowly yeah. escaped. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Also, uh, Monday we learned the case against Greg Craig. He's a Democrat and he's a lobbyist. Uh, and that was handed off to D.C. from New York this past January. And they're getting ready to present their decision whether or not to prosecute to the Justice Department. We have long said if anyone is found guilty of lobbying for foreign actors without registering, they should be prosecuted and we will inform you of the decision, which is expected in the coming weeks as it happens. Uh, But yeah, that's a Democrat lobbyist. He could be in trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have an update on Deutsche Bank and its long running relationship with Trump from a massive piece uh, in The New York Times that came out Monday. Some of the highlights in that report include that Deutsche Bank knew that Trump was significantly overvaluing his net worth, but went ahead and lent him money anyway, despite him having welched on loans to them in the past, which is weird. Uh, Deutsche Bank is currently cooperating with the New York Attorney General and two committees in Congress, and in April, Deutsche Bank will begin handing over extensive internal documents and communications regarding Trump to those investigators. Additionally, one of the bank execs named Rosemary Vrablich, she's expected to be called to testify publicly before Congress. So that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the answer to this. I, I should reach out to some of our lawyer friends. But can a bank executive be guilty of bank fraud?
5: Like a president being like, indicted? Yeah, I feel like this should. It, I would believe that he should, but legally, I wonder. I don't or know. just
4: the CEO. Not like, are they <laughs> too important to indict? Meaning, why would you do that against your own bank? Like Because the reason bank fraud is a crime is because it hurts the bank. But if the bank's in on it... Is there, is there, because like, is it a victimless crime at that point? Does it matter? Is it still bank fraud? It's like
5: insurance fraud, right? Like, if you burn your own house down and take the money, seems like that's kind of what he's doing, right?
4: But if the insurance person knows about it, right? Uh Because they never do. Yeah. Would their Hmm. peers have to,
3: would her peers have to turn against her, sort of, for that to have any sort of merit?
4: Yeah, because if I want to file charges, somebody's got to file charges. And if Deutsche Bank was in on it, would they file charges against themselves? Yeah. Or, or or is that not necessary? Can prosecutors just bring the charges regardless of whether or not somebody's filing a complaint? Good I think question. so. But I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, because, that's interesting. Because I think they're in on it. Yeah.
3: Um, Back to your point, Julissa, so though. Just sort of the idea of her being too big to indict, sort of. That right. also kind of is... I, I do wonder about it on that angle as well. Yeah. Like
4: too big to fail kind of a thing. Yeah,
5: we've yeah. seen it with our own government. Now imagine uh, how Russia or, you know, Deutsche Bank's people would handle that.
4: Yeah. It's, it's a private enterprise, but yeah, it, it, who knows? It might maybe, you know, it's just going to be too damaging to the economy or whatever, but I don't know.
5: They'll just try whatever they can to save themselves probably.
4: That's what I would do. Um, actually, I probably wouldn't make You wouldn't to- get in that position, AJ. <laughs> <Yeah>, a- true. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
3: But it's like those kinds of, you know, those banks could be getting other kickbacks from people that they do acts that would be considered bank fraud, maybe in one respect or something against the bank, you know, like if, if they, if they did something that on one hand could be bad, maybe the relationship they have with that person that they lent to down the line could ultimately prove to be fruitful for them in other ways.
4: Right. And, and honestly, going through this story and, and what you guys were reporting on it, um, Jordan, you reported on it midweek. It just sounded like they wanted to go forward with this because they they stood to make money off of it. And again, like you said, there were other probably other things in the pipeline that they would have benefited from from saying yes to these loans. Yeah. Uh, my favorite story of the week, Jordan, is yours. Uh, you covered it <laughs> in the midweek episode. It involves Devin Nunes, a cow and his mom, but not his real mom. And of course, <laughs> not his real cow, not a real cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you'll go over that in Hot Notes. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so remember when we reported on Bezos? He's the guy who owns Amazon and The Washington Post. Uh, and he outed AMI and The Inquirer um, and mentioning the Saudis. They mentioned the Saudis in a Medium article uh, saying he, he's he been being blackmailed by, uh, by them threatening to release dirty text messages with his mistress, Lauren Sanchez, if Bezos didn't come out and publicly say that The Inquirer was not politically motivated. You know, and so... He dropped that whole article in, in Medium, uh, but the Wall Street Journal reported Monday that uh, Michael Sanchez, the brother of Lauren Sanchez, that's Bezos's uh, uh, lady, <laughs> lady friend, <laughs> sold sold the text me- Michael sold the text messages of his sister to the Inquirer for two hundred thousand dollars. This took place after AMI had signed a non-prosecution agreement last September with the Southern District of New York in its investigation into the hush money payments to Trump's mistress, former Playboy model Karen McDougal. And as of February 8th, we know that federal prosecutors are weighing if AMI has violated that non-prosecution agreement by committing more crimes like this kind of extortion thing. And I think extortion counts as a crime. Uh, now we know that it was uh, Michael Sanchez, uh, Dirty Burt Reynolds, who... Is the one who who got paid two hundred thousand dollars to to hand over his sister's text messages?
5: That's a Lamborghini or something, right? That's a lot of money.
4: What a dick! <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, has anyone spoken to her yet? I Have we? I haven't anything. seen any statements from her yet. Me neither. Yeah, because that's kind of shitty on the family front. Yeah, like, is it worth like, it? Just to get a literal new con? bro?
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, uh, uh, Dirty Burt Reynolds, Michael Sanchez, <clears throat> Dirty Burt Reynolds has been working with AMI choir and, and doing stuff like this for a long time. He's a, he's a Roger Stone friend. He's just a oh, that's his life. He's basically. just a crappy dude. So yeah, yeah. That I don't know why. Like, just you know, don't have affairs with anyone who's friends with someone who hangs out with roger stone just don't do it
5: it's like how do you vet all your you know lovers friends too that's tough that's yes. a tough position
3: this is a great point though i will always ask for details on siblings now oh yes
4: <laughs> yeah. Totally.
5: get an fd 302 from everyone <laughs> you're <Yeah>. screwing <laughs>
4: especially if you're a zillionaire yeah. seriously you know i assume don't assume nothing yeah totally um White House is digging its heels in on all requests uh, from Jerry Nadler, as we knew they would, uh, and many of the other oversight committees in Congress or the um, Intel judiciary. Basically, um, all the documents from the 81 requests mainly um, that have been handed in, the White House is helping zero. Uh, But Bannon... um, He's got the same lawyer as McGann and Priebus, remember, and now Hope Hicks are both handing over evidence. Uh, specifically, Hope Hicks will be handing over information covering four areas, the firing of Jim Comey, Trump's statements on Air Force One regarding the nature of the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, uh, Flynn lying to the FBI, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that that has to do with uh, if if Flynn knew, did he lie to Pence, who knew what, when, that whole situation. Right. Um, and also maybe Flynn's leaving Remember we learned about Flynn's departure that he didn't actually uh, or he did resign he wasn't actually fired by Trump and then also uh, Trump's involvement with the campaign finance felony hush money payments uh, that we know he's implicated in in the Cohen indictments we've also learned this week that the White House is refusing to hand over communications between Trump and Putin to three House committees seeking the documents and witness interviews this, of course, will escalate tensions between the White House and congressional oversight, and committee members have not ruled out issuing subpoenas to force compliance on that matter. I wonder what they're waiting for. There's probably a, some sort of government thing that says you got to wait 60 days, so you got to give them this much time, and then you got to get it approved by these people. Yeah, you, yeah, that makes sense. Government shit just takes a while. Right, right. A lot of red tape. Uh, the White House wants to review the Mueller report, uh, first for executive privilege. We knew that. Um, early this week before the report even dropped that the White House uh, wanted to review it first we learned um, of course well of course he wants to know I mean it makes sense Trump wants to know what's in the report before it's made public because that's what innocent people do right (laughs) (laughs) but no I mean he also just you know he feels like his team needs to check it for executive privilege which he has the right to do Um, we know Democrats are ready to subpoena the full report Uh, we know they're willing to call Mueller to testify Um, I'm really not too worried about this point at this point, what's in the report or when we get to see it. I'm sure we will. But as we've been saying all along, most of these cases have been handed off. Uh, what's in the report and what's held back and what's subpoenaed and what Mueller testifies to really doesn't have anything to do with all the other investigations that we're following. Um, although I, you know, obviously I'll be glued to my TV if Mueller testifies or if this, if the report is subpoenaed, I do want to read the report. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want to know what's in there. I have a feeling though, uh, and I don't want to speculate, uh, too much on what's in it. Um, that Trump will say, or I I think the report will say that Trump obstructed justice, uh, and everything else has been handed off. We know for certain that Trump's legal team is ready to exert executive privilege. We've been saying this for months. So that shouldn't be a surprise when it happens. And perhaps collusion will be addressed, but we simply don't know at this point. I I really see this as a way to, like I said, decentralize the prosecution now that the investigation is over with. But I'm certain we'll know what's in that report soon. So don't worry. I think we'll get it all, whether we have to get it through subpoena, whether we have to get it through interviewing Mueller. It's just, again, one tiny piece of the entirety of the investigation into Russian collusion and obstruction of justice. Nice.
5: What, I'm sorry. Go I ahead. just had a quick question, um, AG. What do you think about the people that say they're disappointed in Mueller? Do you feel like he's done his job, like, regardless? Because it seems like, like you said, with him being an investigator, that he would have completed his job, right, regardless of what the outcome is.
4: Yeah, I, I can see why people who d- maybe don't listen to this show would be initially upset thinking that all the indictments should have come out and prosecutions should have come out from Mueller's investigation. But you know, as we've been saying, and we know Mueller is an investigator in in these matters, not a prosecutor. Now he has prosecutors on his team, and he has handed off these cases to prosecutors on his team and prosecutors in other uh, U.S. attorneys' offices. And he, there's even now state um, AGs and stuff uh, and DAs doing doing these things, so uh, looking into these things. So, I, without seeing a report, it's hard for me to say whether or not I'm I'm disappointed in Mueller. But if his job was to investigate. I'm totally fine with all of the investigations that have been handed off to prosecutors. Right.
3: That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. That have
4: come out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, The the collusion part, I'm interested to see what it says about that.
3: Yeah. I mean, we've been saying since the beginning, as our haters have confronted us throughout this (laughs) entire project... What do you do if it comes out that there was no collusion? Are you going to admit fault? What if Mueller says there was no collusion? Yeah, we will. And it's not fault. We're following... Whatever. I'm getting defensive now. But you know my point.
4: We're it's, reporting on a thing.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. We're reporting on a thing. We're reporting on reporting on a thing. we have been one that's step away true, from it. even truer. It's like... But yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I can. We trust Mueller 100% in, in his abilities and what he's done. And if he's saying, I'm not going to pursue any further indictments, then okay. I trust him more than, like, I mean, I don't really follow FBI guys like baseball cards right now. <laughs> right. But he's, no, he like, he's the most that. badass one I, I seem to he know say about. say no
4: collusion. It, it might mm-hmm. actually say, I didn't have enough evidence to prosecute collusion. Right. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't any. Uh, And that's something that's important to note as well. Just because he didn't have the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to prosecute uh, collusion or crimes of collusion, which we know as conspiracy, aiding and abetting, Mm -hmm. wire fraud, RICO, doesn't mean they didn't. It just means he didn't have the evidence to do it. We could also find out that he he says, I can't tell you uh, yet. I've investigated uh, collusion and I've handed those cases off to prosecutors and you'll find out from them that that could be what he says. Yeah, totally. Uh, either way, Trump is going to claim executive privilege and say that it exonerates him. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, for we sure. We knew that. He's quiet right now. He's golfing. Right. But we know that that's what he's gearing up for.
3: I mean, well, I assume we're going to talk about this in your hot note probably, right? So I can just hold my comments
4: till then, I guess. Oh, more about the report? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We are. Yeah, I'm going to cover some okay, cool. interesting new developments. Uh, We learned Tuesday, Cambridge Analytica never really shut down. It just changed names. Uh, We knew that kind of. We knew after uh, Cam Anna filed for the British equivalent of Chapter 11 bankruptcy, a new company funded by the Mercers, which are Trump supporters, uh, was stood up called Emerdata, And it was headed up. It's headed up, still headed up by Nix and Wheatland. Those guys are both on Nadler's list of 81 people. The news here is that the two court administrators responsible for shutting down the company were actually paid a million dollars almost by the Mercers and acted on behalf of them by obstructing the investigation and preserving the data that came that, that Cam Atta had on their cloud so they could transfer it over to Emerdata. They also tried to liquidate the company before the investigation into the company could be completed. That seems like obstruction of justice. Um, the hope in a lawsuit filed against Cambridge Analytica is that the court administrator will be fired and the High Court will pass the case to government receivers who would appoint a new administrator willing to investigate the legal breaches at Cambridge Analytica and five other interrelated companies, by the way. Wow. Yeah, so they got, they got arms. Uh, earlier this week, Mueller was due to respond to a request to unseal documents in the Manafort case. Mueller responded two days early, saying, guys, we're really busy this week. Uh, we'll respond on April 1st, if that's cool. Um, Now we know what they were busy with. (laughs) It seems as though they were busy with finalizing the Mueller report. Uh, We will find out April 1st what Mueller thinks about unsealing the Manafort cooperation information. I think it will speak volumes as to whether or not the Manafort case and cases into collusion are actually finished. Because if he doesn't want those unsealed. That
5: means it's probably still investigating. It's
4: open and ongoing. Yeah. And who does he hand it off to? Maybe D.C.? I don't know.
5: Yeah. A lot of this is reading between the redacted lines. And I think the average person just doesn't have the time.
4: No, they don't, and that's why we're here Also this week, Mueller dropped a court filing Responding to Corsi's lawsuit Asking for all the counts to be dismissed And so you'll have that for us in Hot Notes mm-hmm. It looks like Corsi's suing everything Oh yeah uh, There's a, uh, huge news that dropped Wednesday Involving a new piece of information that we didn't know In the Flynn story, we hadn't heard it yet This is fresh, fresh <laughs> And that's in my Hot Note as well If You can see kind of a theme going into the Hot Note uh, Open and ongoing investigations maybe Uh, Felix Sater, also, good old Sater, he'll testify this week, um, partially publicly, March 27th and behind closed doors on the 28th. He also lied to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow, so we'll be keeping you posted on that. At this point, we don't know what Mueller did with all the congressional testimony transcripts he was sent a couple months ago and looking into. I don't know where that is. I don't know if he's looked through it and said, I didn't find anything else, or if he didn't hand it off, or if he says, that's open and ongoing, I can't tell you, (laughs) We don't know. Also Wednesday, prosecutors advised Rick Gates not to cooperate with the House Judiciary's Committee investigation, um, committee's investigation of Trump, because he's part of an open and ongoing investigation. Uh, Gates's lawyer has said, however, that he could assist with their investigation in the coming months, just not now. And as we know, Mueller asked for an additional 60 days to sentence Gates. That's his fifth delay. Uh, The letter from Gates' lawyer also went uh, to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees, which we know are investigating Russian conspiracy specifically. We also learned Friday that Mueller has handed off the Rick Gates case to the U.S. attorney in D.C. There (laughs) we go. Found that out today.
3: I have a question. Yeah. Um, let's say the House subpoenas Mueller, one of the various committees, and there's an ongoing investigation that he started but then handed off. Is he still not allowed, right, he's still not allowed to talk about them at all under the exact, he'd say the exact same thing. Yeah, he'd say, I can't talk Part about that. Part of an that. open and ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool.
4: Ha <laughs> ha. I think, I, I feel like that's what's going to happen, but I mean, again, yeah. I, I don't want to f- say what's in this Mueller report. Okay. Yeah,
3: I guess it's kind of a no-brainer that he still wouldn't be able to talk about it, but then it's also kind of like, well then... I know there's so much to hear from him, but that means there's a lot of the juicy stuff that we won't be able to hear.
4: Yeah, until it's done with all the investigated. other investigated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a wild fuck. I know. <laughs> but that, that Gates was handed off to D.C. and Stone was handed off to D.C. It makes me think that any of these potential conspiracy or RICO things... I'll tell you about it in my hot note. Yes. Sorry. One more question. Yeah.
3: Um. Also, so... Mueller was using the grand jury right... When he passes those cases off, do those other district courts and attorneys now get to utilize the grand jury in the same way?
4: From my understanding, yes. That grand jury is still assigned to these cases.
3: Okay, cool. If any attorneys know for sure, hit us up.
4: Yeah, I've <laughs> asked a few. Uh, and oh, the good. And okay. the response was, yeah, I believe so. Okay, cool. Uh, we know if the grand jury is disbanded, then if they wanted to have convene another one, they would have to convene another one. But this one knows all the stuff. So I, yes, and he extended it for six months. Maybe thinking all of his handoffs would be wrapping up in six months even though he was going to get ready to drop a report soon so he can get the fuck out of there and not be a target anymore. Yeah. A- and not make the AG or the deputy AG a target anymore because they're overseeing him.
5: I what mean. month is that six month deadline? Do you remember? Oh,
4: yes. Uh, end of April.
5: Nice. Wow. That's coming
4: up. I think I think it was in November when they extended it. Okay. May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Yeah. Because it went from May 18 months to the following November, six more months mm-hmm. to the end of April.
5: Yeah. You're like that gif right now where, uh, what's his name? Zach Gaffa something. he has got the numbers all Galvanakis. Yeah, yeah. It's like you've seen that one with oh, the, the, rain, symbols. the rain man one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doing the math like that. It's impressive.
4: Um, let's see. We learned that Cindy Yang helped Chinese tech stars get $50,000 photos with Trump and that the origin of the payments is under scrutiny. I'll be covering that in my hot note as well. Uh, In Kushner News Friday, we learned that Kush is providing records to the House Judiciary Committee for its probe into obstruction of justice. Uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler had sent Kush a letter requesting information about a wide range of topics, which included the firing of James Comey, his role in the 2016 Trump Tower meeting, his knowledge of Trump Tower Moscow and the hush money payments. It's almost like Hope Hicks, um, what she needs to hand over to, Uh, but the hush money payments uh, Trump made to Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. This comes on the heels of reporting Thursday that the House Oversight Chairman Elijah Cummings has obtained information that Kushner had used WhatsApp and his personal email to conduct official government business, and they gained confirmation from Kushner's attorney, Abby Lowell, that Kush continues to use the encrypted messenger for government business. Lowell had confirmed that Ivanka had received official work emails on her personal email account uh, that she has failed to forward back to her official government account, which violates the Presidential Records Act. So, yeah, lock them up. Yes.
5: They'll refuse to admit the hypocrisy in that, right? No one's ever come out and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, Hillary. That was messed up of us. Yeah, no, well, they won't. They'll, they'll never. say it's
4: okay for them, but not okay for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of this information is probably classified, too. That won't make a difference to Trump supporters either.
3: Did you see Hillary's response to a tweet? It was like Oh yeah, yeah, tell tell me about it. it.
4: (laughs) I didn't see that one.
3: It was like, Yeah, someone was pointing out the hypocrisy, you know, and then
4: uh, I can't believe that he that his father in law ran his entire campaign on using a private email server and Hillary Clinton's Mm -hmm. like, Yeah, tell me about (laughs) it. Nice. Yeah, she's funny. Chairman Cummings also noted uh, in this letter to Cush that the White House has failed to provide a single document to the 116th Congress in this or any other investigation. He has given the White House until March 28th to confirm that they plan to comply with the requests or he will have to consider alternative means to obtain the information. Those are subpoenas. Uh, I'm assuming he's not going to send a guy with a yeah, bat. Waterboard, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to reenact Operation Stellar Wind. Yes. You're going down. <laughs> Cracks knuckles. <laughs> Cracks knuckles. I like your uh, subtitle voice. Yes. <laughs> uh, two interesting appointments this week. First, Audrey Strauss, the lawyer who uh, bested Roy Cohn, the uh, that's Trump's OG fixer. That's his original fixer. Uh, he, uh, She's been tapped to be the number two at the U.S. attorney's office in the Southern District of New York. We were worried about the vacancy left by Rob Kuzami, uh, That's the lawyer who secured the conviction of Michael Cohen because Berman, the U.S. attorney there, the number one guy, had recused himself from the case for undisclosed reasons. And we feared a Trump ally would be installed to oversee that case since he can't. So this is very good news. Uh, Additionally, Berman's new chief counsel is Craig Stewart, another organized crime expert. And finally, we learn that Brandon von Grack, a Mueller team member, is being tapped to head the new Farah division at Maine Justice. They're creating a whole new division because there's just too many motherfuckers taking foreign money. (laughs) And I'll talk about the potential implications of that in my hot note as well. I think you might be noticing a pattern about my hot note today. (laughs) Ongoing investigations into foreign influence. So stick around for that on the other side of this quick break. Hey, Muller Junkies. Today's episode is brought to you by Rothy's. Rothy's shoes are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear anywhere. Once you try shoes that are this comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, you're never going to wear anything else. So head to rothys.com and get free shipping with no minimum by using code AG. Guys, I absolutely love these shoes. I love my Rothy's. Seriously, you're never going to want to take them off. Uh, They're the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn, literally, and they're super versatile, so I can wear them to work, and then they transition perfectly to happy hour or even just like casual sweet hangs they come in a wide range of colors and patterns with four silhouettes right the loafer the flat the point and the sneaker and they're so comfortable there's no breaking them in there's no breaking in period which I love they're super comfy right out of the box Uh, the best part of course is that they're sustainable which is really important to us here at Muller Road they're made out of recycled plastic bottles and so far Rothy's has diverted 25 million water bottles from landfills and oceans Plus they're manufactured in a zero waste factory and they ship directly in the shoebox so there's no unnecessary packaging. Jordan, I know you wear yours to work.
3: Yes, totally. I have the sneakers and they're extremely comfortable. I'm a server, so I'm on my feet just running around all the time. Uh, And they're super comfy. I can wear them during the day hanging out with friends and then not have to put on different shoes to go work at night. And they're awesome. I really can't recommend them enough. Super comfortable.
4: Yeah, I can imagine too because they're non-slip, so Mm -hmm. they're safe. And they're machine washable.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which you get all dirty, drop stuff on your feet when you're serving. And yeah, and they're great. And they don't take a long time to break in at all either, which is great. There's none of that dig into different parts of your feet that you can kind of experience with flats or other new shoes. So
4: yeah, no breaking in period is really important. Julie, I love your leopard print Rothy's.
5: Yeah, you're totally right about you're never gonna want to take them off because I wear them every day. I'm wearing them right now. And uh, they're so cute. They put together my whole outfit, really. Like, no matter what I'm wearing, they just, like, they stand out and they're
4: perfect. It's like the rug in Big Lebowski. Really ties them together. uh (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I got the black flats myself, because I just always wear black. And uh, I wear them to work. I wear them out. I love that they're machine washable. They're made of uh, recycled materials. They're super breathable, which is good for me. And they're really comfortable. But they look good. Um, And uh, they release new styles and colors all the time, which sell out constantly. I need to try the sneakers. I want to try them out. And you should try them, too. And Rothy's has an amazing deal for our listeners use code ag to get free shipping with no minimum free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your rothys shoes but you'll never want to return them trust me go to rothys.com that's r-o-t-h-y-s.com and enter ag to get your new favorite flats and free shipping with no minimum you'll be glad you did all right welcome back hot notes all right, guys, welcome back. Today, Jordan, you have my favorite story of the week involving Devin Nunes, his mom, and a cow. But first, Jaleesa, you have the Mueller motion to dismiss Corsi's lawsuit against everyone.
5: Yes, I do. So in response to Corsi suing Mueller for allegedly spying on him, leaking information to the press, and coercing him into a false testimony, Mueller filed a formal request last week to dismiss Corsi's lawsuit on all four claims
4: coercing into uh, into false testimony like he's got one of those like a thing he's swinging in front of his eye like you're getting <laughs> right or like the get
5: out movie the little tea oh, yeah. yeah coercing it's like a coursey pun option no that's not gonna work <laughs> just, just trying it out hey,
4: you know you gotta try gotta try yeah you, you miss a hundred percent of things you don't try
5: exactly so Mueller states that one Corsi falsely claims the government violated his fourth amendment rights by surveilling him two that they leaked information to the press three that they committed abuses of power by threatening him with prosecution in prison if he didn't provide a false testimony, and four, that they interfered with Corsi's business and contractual relationships with his publisher and bookseller.
4: You prosecuted me of these crimes interferes with my business. You owe me a book. No (laughs) one one reads your books.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Then on Thursday, the U.S. District Court Judge Richard Leon rejected Corsi's request to preside over his lawsuit against Mueller, and Judge Leon said that he rejected the case because it was not related to any previous cases he had presided over. So now the case will be overseen by U.S. District Judge Ellen Siegel, Huevelle, I think that is, and Corsi and his attorney Larry Clayman were not happy about this. They argued that Judge Leon has presided over similar cases regarding illegal surveillance. In fact, Clayman said in a statement that Judge Leon is, quote, one of the few jurists in the nation who has the nonpartisan independence and courage to stand up and hold legally accountable special counsel, special counsel Mueller. However, Judge Leon said that having the case assigned to him would undermine the process in which cases are randomly assigned to judges operating within the district court. He also threw a little shade at Clayman for once claiming that the judge had been, quote, co-opted by the so-called deep state. And in a press conference after the hearing, Klayman called the decision dead wrong. While on the other hand, Corsi called it a victory, adding that he will continue to push the lawsuit through the highest levels of the court system if necessary. Corsi said, quote, we'll find the next judge and see how fair the next judge is. Oh, yeah. God,
7: I hate
3: him so much. He's the worst. I know. I thought that he was like done being the worst
4: for a second and now he's just back to being the worst. Yeah.
3: Know, he's
5: but, determined.
4: You know, and what happens without that investigation? He had a whole plea agreement ready to go that he said... F you too And I guess that's just Going to be handed off too I, I imagine Is he holding
5: out For the Supreme Court Or something yeah, He's just
4: stalling right That's what I think He just wants to keep it Going up and up So he can just be more famous And sell more books mm-hmm. That just sounds like him to me uh, People mm-
5: are calling him On like uh, conservative Subreddits and stuff They're calling him A hero Corsi oh, For standing Liders. up to Mueller I know it's garbage
4: Standing up to Mueller Fuck off Those people Those are the people Who watch Harry Potter And think Wormtail Is a good guy So Exactly yeah, Whatever Yeah he doesn't end up being a good guy, does he? I don't know how that In is. In the end, I don't
5: think Wormtail does. Yeah, he's the one that turns into a little rat.
4: Ah, yeah. Yes. It's
5: very symbolic of his character. I think he was always a rat. <laughs> he's the Weasley's rat. Isn't yeah, he? but Snape ended up being good. Oh, yeah. Snape's That's a who. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Defense of the Dark Arts teacher. Mm-hmm. All right. Jordan <laughs> this is the best <laughs> this is yes. really really the best yes it really is uh yeah it's the comic relief we need uh, this week
3: <laughs> yes for context Devin Nunez is related to my ex-boyfriend because once uh ages ago when we first started the podcast I made a comment about how I thought Devin Nunez was attractive uh slightly and it's been following me ever since so. Yeah,
6: we
4: don't let you
3: live it down. <laughs> yeah, so he'll forever be called my ex-boyfriend. Um, yeah, we let you break up with him. Yes, that's you true. Broke you broke up did. with Brody. I appreciate that's that. That's right, yeah. And very supportive friends. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had to leave the relationship. And now yeah. he is completely embarrassing himself. He's suing uh, not only Twitter, but a few different Twitter accounts, essentially for, for mocking him online. Uh, he's suing them for defamation, and he's also suing Twitter for negligence. And the chances of him winning and going anywhere with this lawsuit are slim to none, just mainly because defamation is a pretty hard thing to prove and negligence to prove it. You would have to. If you were gonna say that Twitter was negligent in the sense that they didn't do something to you know they had some duty to stop people from saying horrible things, then Twitter would be getting sued thousands of times a day. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a precedent set right now on social media and how that works in the courts that these sites are not upheld to the sort of security forces and and the the thought police on there so there's so many things about this that are amazing he's suing them for 250 million dollars in damages and uh he's the and the twitter accounts I gave you the wrong name in the midweek episode. It's not at Devin Nunez cow, although that is an account with good tweets. Uh, the main one is at Devin cow. Yeah, so that's that's the one that now has more Twitter followers than Devin Nunez himself. That's amazing. More than twice as many, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I have such faith in humanity when these things happen. It's like when Jonathan Oliver... <laughs> Jonathan Oliver? No one calls him that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know him well.
4: <laughs> Very <laughs> formal. Yes. Oh, Jonathan. Mr. Jonathan Oliver.
3: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) yeah when he did that parody book in in response to mike pence's yeah (laughs) bundo yes yeah yeah that it sold like so many copies it's that's beautiful it's the best of humanity you're totally right definitely it's great yeah so the plaintiffs in this case uh it's twitter incorporated elizabeth a liz uh quote mayor mayor strategies llc uh, Devin Nunez's mom. That's at Devin Nunez's mom, if you want to check it that's out. That's in Devin the Devin mom. Like, yes, yeah, these are the plaintiffs. That's yeah. crazy. And then at Devin Cow, that's Devin Nunez's cow. <laughs> they're <laughs> so, suing the cow for $250 million. Don't have a cow, man. Right, so they're suing uh, They're suing the cow, <laughs> they're suing the mom. All fake, of course. And the lawsuit states, it's great. It's it's great reading. It's out there and it's public. You really have to read it just to see these words. It
4: puts its tweets... It's. <laughs> i think the i think the human centipede tweet is in the the really oh my goodness it's insane so
3: when
5: the plaintiffs like get involved do they have to show up at this point even though it might get thrown out because i want to see the cow show up that would be amazing
3: (laughs) yeah no i don't know i have no idea how far it's gonna go i don't i don't I mean, I'm not an attorney, so I can't say anything really for any sort of certainty with any sort of certainty. But I can't imagine it's going to get to that point where they would actually. Man, that'd
5: be awesome.
4: Um, I don't think it would take much of a lawyer to get these dismissed. Right. Right. But just for
5: theatrics, man. Devin Nunes' mom showing up in court just like Mm -hmm. yelling at him would be great.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, What the the lawsuit says. Like Devin Nunez's mom, Devin Nunez's cow engaged engaged in a vicious defamation campaign (laughs) against
4: Nunez. Just the, like Devin Nunez's mom, Devin Nunez's cow, dot, dot, dot. That is one of the best sentences I've ever heard. Yeah, it's
3: hilarious. It's a a great thing that's just assumed in this statement. Um... (laughs) They uh, they launched a vicious defamation campaign against Nunez that lasted over a year. Devin Nunez's cow has made, published, and republished hundreds of false and defamatory statements of and concerning to Nunez, including the following. Nunez is a treasonous cowpoke. <laughs> Devin's boots are full of manure. He's utterly worthless. Utterly. Uh... <laughs> And it's past your time to move him to prison. Dude,
5: kudos to this person, <laughs> this comedic genius. That's a lot of puns right yeah, there, man. Yeah, because maybe, I don't know on stage if that would work, but in the context of all of this, this is brilliant. <laughs> this it is, is brilliant. just golden.
3: It is, it is golden, and it's amazing that it's actually in those court documents. Um,
4: that's like suing the onion for defamation. You or know SNL. Know I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, Yeah, I like, so there's a few
3: things that's so amazing about this. The first being that, Devin Nunes co-sponsored a bill called Discouraging Frivolous Lawsuits Act once, so that's an amazing irony. Did <laughs> so he didn't just
4: vote for it? He sponsored the bill? Yeah, he that's co-sponsored fantastic. it. Yeah,
3: so he obviously is never letting that down. A lot of the news headlines, that is what their headline is. Co-sponsor of the Discouraging Frivolous Lawsuits Act brings lawsuit against people who are mean to him online. <laughs> Crazy. It's so funny. Um, Another another thing that I thought was interesting, Uh, I was just reading up on, you know, some articles predicting how this case is going to go and they referenced a case that happened in 96 with someone named sharon yeagle she was an assistant in the student affairs office at virginia polytechnic institute she sued their school's newspaper for defamation uh, and insulting words because they published an article of her and underneath the quote had the phrase director of butt licking and director so, of butt licking. That's what she was doing It's amazing. Them. Yeah, swing <laughs> them over, and then and then it's referred to as like the butt licking case. Which is the director of that's how you case. troll, man.
5: That's how you do it.
3: Yeah, it's so funny. But essentially, the important thing to learn from that is that in that case, the U.S. Supreme Court protected language that is insulting offensive or otherwise inappropriate as long as it is just rhetorical hyperbole which is 1000% what these tweets from these accounts fall under that are talking about Nunes as you could tell by the one I just gave you move <laughs> him to prison incredible that does not sound like a serious uh I mean I feel like if you're personifying yourself as a cow you can throw it out as as rhetorical hyperbole. you would think right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think so we'll see where that goes Thank
4: that's you so, so much, funny. Jordan.
3: God, that's hilarious.
4: I know. I, it's going to have to be just dismissed in short order, but I wish it would go on for a while. Just, uh, just for know, laughs. I, I, my taxpayer dollars would happily fund that shit show circus mm-hmm. for just a little while. Yeah, yeah.
5: Let it go down in the history books. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah amazing.
4: Oh, goodness. New news. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for your reporting.
3: Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot another thing. That's, oh, yeah. That's, um Okay, so this is actually I'd like to play a clip here. Uh I can send it to Jalisa or I can do it the janky way where I just literally play it through my iPhone speakers. We can my do microphone. both. We
5: can see which one is so probably clips. best to get the clip in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: If, you're, if you're on Twitter then you've probably seen this video going around but it's a video of Devin Nunes on C-SPAN a long long time ago defending people that were yelling the n-word at John Lewis uh. at a protest and he says I think people have every right to say what they want if they want to smear someone they can do it.
4: Alright yeah let's listen to that clip.
7: We're hearing a lot of angry comments yesterday aimed at a couple of your colleagues, including Barney Frank uh, and uh, Congressman John Lewis, using the N-word as some of the protesters uh, jeered at him as he walked through the halls of the Capitol.
1: Yeah, well, I think that uh, when, you, when you use totalitarian tactics, uh, people uh, you know, begin to act crazy. And I think, yeah, there's people that have every right to say uh, what they want. If they want to smear someone, they, they can do it. It's not appropriate. Uh, and I would—I think I would stop short of characterizing uh, the 20,000 people who were protesting that all of them were doing that.
3: Uh, so, yes, I, I would uh, regret not adding that at the end. That That's funny. amazing.
4: Awesome. All right, guys, um, I know everyone is speculating about the contents of the Mueller report this weekend and why there were no additional indictments, especially considering all the things left undone. Uh, We have a few thoughts on the matter, I do, Uh, but I wanted to remind everyone about an important development we learned a couple weeks ago, that the Department of Justice is now planning to escalate its crackdown on foreign influence operations in the United States. Some might not know this, but a new appointment was made by Bill Barr elevating Brandon Von Grack to head the new FARA Enforcement Unit. That's uh, the Federal Agent Registration Act, Foreign Agent Registration Act. Uh, As we all know, Von Grack worked on foreign influence in the special counsel's office for Bob Mueller. We have uh, to note that the majority of the RICO charges I've been talking about for the past several weeks, or potential RICO charges, conspiracy, aiding, and abetting, uh, the ones I've been talking about for the past several weeks, fall under that designation, and I wanted to go through a few of the big cases today that might be handed off to the FARA unit now that Mueller has wrapped up his uh, investigation. First, we learned Monday that feds raided the offices of Elliot Broidy last summer, looking for documents and files related to China, Saudi Arabia, Pras Michel, the United Arab Emirates, George Nader, Michael Cohen, and Cutter. So, whoa. <laughs> Let's go through this, because we've reported on all of them in the past. Elliot Broidy is the former deputy finance chair of the Republican National Committee, until he had to resign for paying a Playboy model $1.6 million to get an abortion. Michael Cohen also held the post of deputy finance chair of the RNC. Both Cohen and Broidy sold access to the president. The feds were also looking for information on Broidy's work for Jolo. That's the Malaysian guy who worked with Praz Michelle, a member of the Fuji's, to launder money from 1MDB. And Broidy uh, Brody was apparently paid $75 million by Jolo to pressure Trump to drop the investigation into him. So there's an obstruction of justice charge for, for Broidy. And Cutter? Well, what if Broidy is the hub for the laundering and distribution of the commission of the sell-off of Rosneft through the Cutter Investment Authority? Uh, That's all beans, but there's roughly $280 million floating around out there somewhere for a 0.5% commission on the sale of Rosneft uh, that was distributed through, could have been the NRA, the RNC, the inaugural, um, the Trump org, but piece by piece through presidential access slush funds, maybe like essential consulting. Did it go offshore? Uh, And all of these would be crimes that could fall under uh, Farah. Absolutely. So the feds were looking for documents related to China, UAE, and Saudi Arabia. You have to wonder if Brody was the money launderer for illegal Middle East GOP money uh, and Trump campaign contributions, and if Cohen was the Russian money guy. Not to mention, we learned this Wednesday that Cindy Lang, who was also selling access to Trump, might have been using Chinese businessmen as straw donors to funnel foreign donations into GOP coffers. Basically, there are now examples of Chinese business execs taking selfies with Trump, along with $50,000 receipts for those selfies. But when asked, none of these businessmen made those payments. So follow me here. Cohen was funneling mostly Russian money to the GOP as the deputy finance chair of the RNC, by using straw donors such as Vexelberg, Intrader, and Kukas, and other Russian power emigres and shell companies like Columbus Nova. And he did all that through essential consulting. It's fucking essential. Then we have Broidy, using some shell company we don't know about yet, using straw donors to funnel Saudi and UAE money into the GOP coffers as the deputy finance chair of the RNC. We know from reporting in the New York Times last year that Broidy worked with Nader to steer the White House towards policy benefiting United Arab Emirates and the Saudis, and that Nader had offered Broidy over a million dollars in private security contracts. Broidy owns a private security company, just like Eric Prince did. Uh, And we all know Nader was at the Seychelles meeting with Kirill Dmitriev, a Putin proxy, and George Nader. Nader, a former convicted kiddie porn distributor, has been given partial immunity by Mueller, and he's been cooperating. We also know from the New York Times that Brody tried to use his influence with Trump to force a Chinese dissident out of New York and back to China to curry favor with China and get paid for it. And that sounds awfully familiar to Flynn and Bijan Kian getting paid $15 million by Turkey to force the Turkish dissident Gulen back to Turkey. As we know, Flynn and Kian were guilty of violating Farah. And speaking of Flynn, we learned this week in a filing from Bijan Kian's lawyers that Flynn might have also had contact with Kirill Dmitriev, because during discovery in the Bijan Kian trial, Kian's lawyers asked for all material from Mueller associated with Flynn. Mueller said, You can't have it all. So Keon's lawyer said, okay, how about these eight things? Uh, one of which was all documents related to communications between Dmitriev, the Putin guy from the Nader Prince Seychelles backchannel meeting, and Flynn. That is the first time those two have ever been linked. Uh, and Bijan Kian's trial starts in mid-July. Flynn is the star witness in that trial. Finally, we have Cindy Yang selling selfies by the seashore to Chinese businessmen <laughs> and using foreign money to pay for it. How did she get the money to the RNC? I have beans maybe on Steve Wynn, the third disgraced deputy finance chair of the RNC who had to resign for being gross to women. In a report out this week, Yang is now under scrutiny by the House and Senate Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. The heads of those committees wrote a letter to the FBI urging them to investigate Yang due to serious counterintelligence concerns surrounding her company, claiming it could provide Chinese clients with access to Trump. She's also under investigation for possible sex trafficking in the recent indictment of Patriots owner Robert Kraft, who was, incidentally, made a sweetheart deal of no jail time and 100 hours of community service in exchange for admitting he did it, and he turned the deal down, which I thought was weird. Uh, maybe he knows this isn't just prostitution and that these girls were trafficked. He doesn't want to admit to soliciting to them. Jalisa, you brought that up in the, in the midweek review. Mm-hmm. So good, good thing to point out there. Anyhow, the Democrats are looking uh, into her activities surrounding selling access to foreigners, uh, and the request was endorsed by Pelosi and Schumer, who called the reporting very concerning. Oh, oh, and Rick Gates is mentioned in the Broidy case. So maybe along with Manafort, one of the several open and ongoing investigations, Gates is cooperating in uh, with that prompted Mueller to ask for the 60-day continuance in Gates' sentencing. That's his fifth delay, like I said. He's mentioned earlier in the show. As I mentioned earlier in the show, prosecutors have advised him not to give testimony to Congress because he's still part of an open and ongoing investigation. So There. Those are all the upcoming conspiracy, wire fraud, obstruction of justice, aiding and abetting computer fraud and abuse, campaign finance violations, all of that, possibly RICO. And even though these might not be charged by Mueller's team, they could very well be handed off to other investigators, such as Southern District of New York or the new FARA Enforcement Unit, headed up by the man who has been investigating them all along. Uh, let's also not forget that Mueller is an investigator, as we've said a million times. And the prosecutions springing from the Mueller investigation were either handed to prosecutors on his team, who were granted full authority of U.S. attorneys, that's why they called him, we called them mini muellers or to other U.S. attorneys' offices. There is uh, the other part of the 18 redacted pages in, in Cohen warrants, the Cohen warrants released this week in that section called the Illegal Campaign Contribution Scheme. There is a huge redacted scheme from Flynn's sentencing memo as well, (laughs) and there are 800 redacted pages from the Manafort court filings. And if there's enough evidence to tie Trump to it, you can bet your beans he'll be named as an unindicted co-conspirator by one of or any of these prosecutorial teams. So, we do not pretend to know what's in the Mueller report. The ending of the investigation might simply be part of a plan to protect the investigations. Maybe it was shut down early for other reasons we just don't know about. Joyce Vance says on Twitter that Mueller has stayed carefully within his lane, sending cases that strayed from his core mission to U.S. attorneys and DOJ divisions, and that these career prosecutors will work their investigations to a conclusion, even as Mueller closes shop. Greg Oliar, like you were saying, Jordan, did this great thread and remind us that reminds us that timing is everything, and that the other investigators may have been waiting for Mueller to turn in his report before springing into action. And Mueller's uh, investigation may have been hindering uh, con- congressional ability to investigate these matters because, as you know, everyone who testifies to Congress says, uh, open an ongoing investigation. So it could be that. But either way, we don't know. What we do know is that Bijan Ke- Keon's trial is in July and Roger Stone starts in November. We will be covering it. So no, we aren't changing our name. No, we are not closing up shop. <laughs> there are too many open and ongoing investigations that do not end simply because the MOLA report is in. So we're not going anywhere.
3: Hell yeah. I love it. Also, sorry, uh, it's Oliar. Didn't know that.
4: Yeah, Oliar. Nah, hell yeah. Um, that was amazing. Thanks. Lots of stuff still out there. Yes, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah.
3: I also think, for my own brain, taking this to the most depressing logical conclusion, I think, that is conceivable, which might be the indictments that have been dropped are it. Let's say all of the other investigations don't lead to any sort of charges. That's like worst case scenario, in my opinion. If that happens, the gut feeling that these things are an egregious offense on our democracy is a valid feeling. And that means that our policies and laws need to change. That's what should come from that. Totally. Mueller has to act within the scope of the language that already exists. And if he wasn't able to do something with what was so clearly obviously fucked up and wrong and not okay then the laws and the language need to change over time. And I think that's what the House congressional committees are going to get into. And I'm like way more, I'm like even more passionate about this right now than I was before, especially after hearing you list off all that stuff. That's Mm -hmm. all really messed up stuff. That's not okay. Well, that's
4: why I'm super happy about the new Farah Enforcement Unit that didn't exist before and now will exist because of this investigation. That's
5: awesome. Yeah. 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 And Mueller is not a lawmaker. You're totally right. He can only do so much.
4: Right. Yeah. yeah. And we assume that the reason that uh, he didn't indict the president is because of the policy in Department of Justice that you can't indict a president.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be a long time, I think, um, till we know what happens in all those investigations and everything. But even like, you know, with Donald Trump Jr., we we know that these people lied. We know that they lied under oath and for some reason they weren't punished for it. Why? Yeah. Or, or will they be punished for it later? Like and if, Sessions and right. so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not punished, then something needs to change.
4: Yeah. Mueller might be, and we've talked about Mueller, the kind of guy that he is. He he He's into justice and the public knowing the truth. And he might say, I want to save that for congressional hearings so that it's all out there and nobody can stop it. Nobody can redact it. Nobody can hide it. You know, and nobody can interfere with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yes,
3: that's me jumping the gun to my most pessimistic outcome in my brain.
4: It's easy to do. You made
3: a good point, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to prepare.
4: Yeah. Right. It's always nice to be prepared. If this is it and none of this ever gets resolved, it still happened. Yeah. And it's uh, on
5: us to change it, you know? Yeah. And the lawmakers.
4: Yeah. We do need regulations that have more teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like you said, if Mueller wasn't able to get any convictions out of this for these clear and obvious crimes, then we need to have, then our system is yeah, it just Broke. points
5: to how fucked up it is. Yeah, yeah.
4: And we need to fix it. And that's what that's what our job is. Yeah. Alright guys, we'll be right back. Hey Muller junkies. This episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Beta Brand, who says comfy cannot be work appropriate. Beta brand wants you to look good and feel good and be comfortable, even when you're at the office. Beta Brand's Dress Pant Yoga Pant features ultra comfy, super soft styles designed to impress. They're wrinkle resistant. They have four-way stretch knit fabric, which I absolutely love. They don't dig into me. The dress pant details are amazing. They have faux zippers, faux pockets. Some have real pockets, which is important. I love pockets. They have front buttons, belt loops, so I can wear my belt. It's absolutely outstanding. I love these pants. And they're built for all shapes, sizes, and tastes. So they have a lot of different styles, like boot cut, straight leg, skinny cropped and more and they have all the standard colors like black navy gray and khaki and then they have seasonal and limited edition colors as well that they release monthly and they do that from crowdsourcing they get their ideas from their the fans of their pants and they so they send in their ideas and they make the pants that the people want I absolutely love them they have four lengths to choose from which is good because I'm pretty tall and they even like I said functional pockets so important uh, beta brand connects shoppers and designers uh, as I said they do a lot of crowdsourcing to, they bring every everyone's ideas to life and they love feedback so they welcome any ideas that any of you have and they go straight to the design room. You can vote for designs um, that you want to see crowdfunded and they have hundreds of designers and thousands of designs on their site so far, so you have to check it out. Myself personally, I've been wearing Beta brand for a long time. I have the dress pant, yoga pant. It is one of my favorite pairs of pants that I own. I actually got several of them because when I go into the office, I, I wish I could wear my athleisure wear, but you can't. It's the office, you know. I work as an executive in the government, so I have to wear the I have to wear dress pants, and it used to bum me out because most dress pants aren't cut right, you know, unless you have them custom tailored. But these four-way stretch pants, the fabric is absolutely breathable. It's so comfortable. It makes it feel like I'm wearing jammies to work, but I actually look totally professional. I think you'll love them too. Seriously, my favorite pair of pants. I bought several of them because I like them. So fit, feel, and comfort. Very important. Uh, They have a lot of different choices, so you can pick the style that you want. I usually wear black, but like I said, they have these cool seasonal colors they come out with every once in a while. Um, and so I really, again, I just, I can't recommend them enough, you guys. And that's why I started wearing them. You should try the dress pant yoga pants too. So visit betabrand.com slash A-G, all lowercase, and you will get 20% off your pair. Millions of women agree these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Again, that's com slash A-G, all lowercase, to get 20% off yours today. All right, you guys ready for Sabotage? Yes. Obviously, what kind of a uh, show would we be if this week's Sabotage was not the sabotage to end all sabotages? <laughs> the Mueller report has been issued. Barr is reading it right now. He said he was going to give a conclusory or a, you know a summary of it to Congress. Uh, apparently it's longer than he thought. I guess uh, maybe he, maybe he f- didn't think it'd be that long, and then he saw it and he was like, mm, "I'm gonna need some more time." <laughs> so Trump is golfing. He's reading it. Uh, I, I know uh, Rosenstein was in the office today too. I'm sure that he's consulting with him uh, on the report. I think it's good news that he's not just immediately coming out and saying no collusion, uh, because I feel like he would if he were like you know all up in Trump's program and trying to be you know hide stuff or if it just said no collusion yeah i think it's more complex than that i i'm not going to pretend to know what's in it and what's really weird is that as we record this episode we don't have his summary when this episode is released we might have his summary (laughs) so you guys might be you know listening to this now knowing some shit we don't know because of time travel so (laughs) uh anyway it's guys we've already pretty much covered it um it's here Uh, The Mueller investigation is over, but the Mueller prosecutions continue. Yes,
3: definitely. Someone also on the topic of Trump not tweeting like a crazy person um, over the last 24 hours. Again, this is Saturday for us. So the question was, do you think he's doing that? Someone thought maybe it was your beans coming true about Mueller saying he needed to resign. Um, he needed to be quiet and resign in exchange for him not prosecuting him criminally. Oh, that would be so nice. But I, and I that really maybe, don't maybe like a gag order was on that or something. Yeah, I don't think that's Those it. Are super space beings that I don't believe in. But that's a beautiful
4: theory. Mm-hmm. But yeah,
3: it's just beautiful
5: unlike Trump. It would be ideal, but he would go out swinging if history has taught us anything.
4: Uh, unless he was just trying to save his business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, oh. yeah, I don't know. I don't uh, think so. I, I honestly think the re- he's being quiet because Emmett Flood, he took emmett flood with him to mar-a-lago and i think emmett flood is like just keep your fucking mouth shut for just a minute dude they got trump tied up somewhere (laughs) once that report comes out go nuts exactly just shut your fucking mouth right now first of all because you would really depress more than half of the country uh you're just gonna make enemies on that kind of a thing you know a gloaty sore winnery kind of a thing and he may be the winner and he may have every right to gloat i don't know yet but that's just a bad look. But nothing has ever stopped Trump from having a bad look before. So <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I I think Emmett Flood, maybe he's, he's like putting it, just put a golf club in his hands, took the phone away, put a golf club in there and said, just go golf. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like Have kid. an omelet at your omelet
5: bar and shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Stuff your mouth with an omelet. <laughs>
4: that's, you know, that, honestly, I think that's why he's being quiet is because he's listening to his advisors to, to do that.
5: Yeah. He'd be smart, too. I'll give him that much credit.
4: Yeah,
3: I think that it's kind of what you said, uh, don't trip at the finish line thing. We're right fucking there. Just please be quiet. Please be quiet and don't get us into another horrible media cycle. Uh, Yeah, because you're just going to
4: it could only be bad for him
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i said that to um our listener that asked us about that and then just a correction the theory would be um threatening his business if he doesn't resign right, right. Not hey, not you mentioned that yeah yeah, yeah. Threatening yeah. the criminal prosecutions mm-hmm.
4: yeah that's but, why he, when she's like hey i think he'd go down swing and i'm like not if he could save his business ex- right. yeah exactly um, money
3: but but i also just on the topic of the news cycle it makes me wonder what the news cycle is going to look like now that this has come out, sort of. And I feel like there's a sort of sense of, you know, maybe not reporting things as as much as like breaking news whenever any sort of leads come about from something that's related to the Mueller probe. Do you think it's going to be the same? Do you think it's still going to be treated with the same sense of urgency by like CNN and MSNBC all the time now that it looks like... The investigation is shifting. I mean, it is. It's shifting out of the Mueller side of the house.
4: Well, looking, just looking at the investigations that have already shifted outside of the Mueller side of the house, I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, Cohn was handed off a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Stone was handed off a while back. Uh, Manafort. uh, Yeah, well, he stayed, he stayed with the Manafort. Um, But the Stormy Daniel stuff, like it's all, I don't see, I don't see it. It dying down? No.
5: Yeah, because they do cover the major things involving people that have been passed on, like you said. So as long as there's like major news, they'll cover it. But yeah, as far as day-to-day stuff, that'll probably be us.
4: Plus all the, <laughs> yeah. all the House and, and, and uh, Senate investigations that are still ongoing, um, those will always be covered too. And there's a lot of news. I mean, Trump, stories about Trump bring them ratings, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's it's what the people are interested in hearing. Uh, and rightfully so. So it's like a win-win for everybody. But yeah, we all don't. We all lose really at the end. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. We all lost in 2016. That's
3: for sure. Yeah.
6: Hi there. Diana Erickson here, host of the podcast One Sweet Dream, which is a podcast that shines new light on the Beatles, illuminating their story in ways not seen before. This podcast does deep storytelling to get to radical new ideas and insights that transform our understanding of their story. We've always known the Beatles story was exciting and epic, but there is an even bigger, better, sexier, and more beautiful story that's been hiding in plain sight. And that's what I want to share with you. Historians say that it takes about 50 years to tell the story of an event properly. And so here we are, a little over 50 years later, And have I got a great story to tell. So I hope you'll join us at One Sweet Dream Podcast, where we explore the dream that was and is the Beatles. Episodes will be released every Tuesday and Friday, so please subscribe to One Sweet Dream wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: All right, are you guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Yes. I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be
6: a... Indicted!
7: Honey, dick. Indicted! I'm going to be oh, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna
4: be indicted! All right, fantasy indictment league this week. And again, just because the Mueller report is in and there are no more indictments, so quote unquote coming from the Mueller investigation, that doesn't mean, as I said, the Mueller investigation's over. The Mueller prosecutions continue. I think that's a good tagline. We'll stick yeah. with that for now. All these prosecutions have been handed off or somehow related, and I, you know, I'm I get to say if they are or not. So. Uh, I, I have the I have the last word like the, if anything happens in the boot in a case I think that that counts uh, stuff like that what okay were you gonna say? I was gonna say also
3: it was brought up the other day that the FBI can also continue their counterintelligence investigation or or we could see a more you know expanded counterintelligence investigation on behalf
4: of the FBI so how would that work I think it would go to the Department of Justice okay. they would take because the FBI counterintelligence into Trump Russia uh, was part of the whole entire thing that was handed off to Mueller, so anything left would pro- would be handed, back, I think, back to the basically. Department of Justice. Okay. Because the FBI would be the people who were doing that.
3: Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I was curious about how that would all sort out. Okay, cool. Thank you.
4: All right, and I think Jaleesa goes first this time. Oh, cool. In the Fantasy Indictment League. All and right. And then Jordan, and then me, because I went first last time.
5: Yeah, so um, I'll go ahead and start it off with Brody.
4: Boop, boop, broody. Jordan?
5: I'm going to do Tony
3: Fabrizio.
5: Ooh. You know what? I will say I love that impression. Someone did email us saying that we only make that weird noise for Italians, like as if we don't do it with other We're perpetuating the
4: mob culture. Right, right. Yeah. So, I apologize.
5: For, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I, I think it's innocent, but maybe this person was Italian and <laughs> they were offended.
4: Yeah, honestly, really, I'm just going by the My Blue Heaven. Yeah, I'm... Um, <laughs> Totally movie based right yeah. now Yeah, like And it's an old school way of thinking
5: We're brainwashed basically Sorry. It's not our, our entire fault
4: <laughs> We love you all uh, I'm gonna go with Manafort
5: Cool I'll do Eric Prince
3: That guy's a dick
4: <laughs> Jordan
3: Um, Superseding Stone
4: <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Assange Oh, oh man Oh shit
3: there was a
5: little tweet. It was a false alarm, but apparently someone tweeted that he was uh, arrested as soon as the Mueller report dropped, but turns out it wasn't true. But
3: I, I did hear though that his that the uh what am I trying to say? The embassy was, was surrounded? It? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Why Maybe that's I why they thought he that... was arrested. Yeah, that's but I think that was confirmed though. That he was or was not? No, that it was surrounded.
5: Oh surrounded, yeah. Yeah, that or makes like,
3: sense. Like an increased presence. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
5: Yeah, it's a good pick. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> I'll go with Seder.
3: Mm. Mm, WikiLeaks.
4: Good. <laughs> that was gonna be my next one. Uh i Oh mm. yeah. Corsi. Yeah. Dick.
3: <laughs> Trump inaugural.
4: Ugh Trump inaugural. That's different from the Trump campaign. That's yes. different from the organization and it's different from the, the foundation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, which one's this the is committee? Tom
3: Barrick. Trump inaugural. Got it, got As, The one. There's no there. committee. There's,
4: there's there's the committee to reelect the president, or, or are you talking about the, that? Might
5: be the one I'm confusing it with. Yeah, yeah.
4: Because the, there's the Trump campaign, mm-hmm. which is the com- something committee. Right. The 2016
5: the committee is what I was thinking of. It's the campaign. Got
4: it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Trump inaugural. All right. I'm gonna go with Kush. <laughs> uh, Junior. Yeah, that was my last one,
3: Jordan. <laughs> Um, let's do Weiselberg. Oh, yeah,
4: and I'll do Trump Org.
5: Okay, I'll do Kaiser. Nope,
4: you're done. Oh, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> Did you want to replace any of your Brody Prince, Sater, Corsair, Jr. with Kaiser?
5: I will replace Prince with Kaiser.
4: All right, everyone good with their picks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, guys, it's time for the interview. We are welcoming back uh, a great old friend of the podcast. She's not old, but she's an old friend. Uh, You know what I mean? Her name is Andrea Chalupa. She's co-host of Gaslit Nation, an incredible podcast if you haven't heard it. So uh, hey, Julissa, roll that interview. Uh, Joining us today for the interview is journalist and author of Orwell and the Refugees. She's the co-host of Gaslit Nation. Please welcome back Andrea Chalupa. Andrea, thanks for being on Mueller She Wrote.
8: Thanks for having me on such a historic weekend on uh, the day after the Mueller report finally dropped.
4: I know. It's insane. Uh, we've been getting it from all sides uh, on social media. People are saying, uh, oh, are you going to change your name? You're going to quit the pod? What are you going to do, do with your life now? Like, I don't have four other jobs. <laughs> right. It's, it's pretty funny.
8: So it's intense. I mean, the whole, all of it is intense. And, and the, you and I were talking about this earlier. Before the interview, it's like this massive, sweeping international crime syndicate, and you ladies are his living historians of it. Like you're documenting it. You're librarians of this uh, whole coal- whole coalition of corruption. So you can't go anywhere. No,
4: we won't be. But and thank you for the kind words, by the way. I appreciate it. Of course. So I suppose the first thing the first thing we should address is the Mueller report, which has made <laughs> its way into the hands of Bill Barr on Friday.
8: Yes, I mean, we knew it was coming. I honestly didn't think it would come so soon. Mostly because Jared and Ivanka and Don Jr. were walking around freely, and there weren't any, there wasn't any like chatter about the three of them, other than some big uh, revelations in the media, of, you know, like the WhatsApp story, the and the private email story with Jared and Ivanka, um, it, communicating with, uh, you know, carrying out foreign policy over WhatsApp. So there's so you kind of saw that. Um, those revelations were, were coming out. So you we were kind of hoping for indictments of the kids, finally, since they were so central to the campaign, the transition team. And of course, uh, Jared and Ivanka are de facto president of the United States, um, who are abusing their power to this day. So I think I, I was really shocked by how just suddenly it came on I was like, oh, it's here. Like, how did you feel about it?
4: Yeah, it was it was shocking to us as well. I mean, we we knew it was coming and I knew uh, it would at least be put off by a month or a month and a half because of the government shutdown. But um, I guess I guess you're just never prepared for that day.
8: <laughs> no, no, no. You're never prepared for a premature baby.
4: <laughs> I, totally. Even though, you know, it's coming.
8: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's. It's interesting. Joy Vance on Twitter, just reading before you called, um, she was saying that what, since there's so many loose ends that are getting delegated outright to other districts, New York, Virginia, and uh, D.C., uh, what that indicates in part is that Mueller, even though he had a larger directive, as he had like a wider scope as it granted by Rosenstein, like he's still stuck to being narrow. And that could be because of how politicized everything had become. So he just like kept very disciplined within the lines and a very narrow focus, and sort of fan, like, farmed out all the other, you know, Corsi, presume, hopefully, presumably the kids, certainly Don Jr. to uh, the other, uh, the other districts.
4: Yeah, and that might have been one of the uh, reasons for the Mueller report and the and you know the shuttering of the quote unquote Mueller investigation. As of now, we we've known and. You've been talking about this. We've been talking about this. He's farming out a lot of different things to different attorney, uh, U.S. attorney's offices. And um, I know that um, some state AGs have picked up uh, a lot of these uh, on a lot of these investigations. Of course, Congress is investigating. And this might be and this is obviously just speculation. None of us know what's in the report, but this might just be a way to decentralize uh The the mudslinging, do you know? Like, uh, w- w- there's 17, what 19? So a whole bunch of other investigations that have sprung forth from this muller invest to uh, this muller probe that are continuing on. They're open and ongoing investigations in in other offices and other units. And we learned just before I called you that Barr was supposed to maybe release a summary of the Mueller report today, but it sounds like he's not going to. Which which says to me, and of course this is just speculation because I haven't seen the report. But it sounds like it's just not as simple as no collusion uh, if if he needs more time to review it.
8: Oh, I mean, absolutely. I saw that, too. And so he's probably just I don't even know what he's wrapping his head around. Um, Barr should just give it just give it out. Like they as people are pointing out, like the Star Report was a massive gone with the wind books like doorstopper with, with just disgusting, like literally disgusting levels of detail that. Uh, much of which just simply were not necessary and were done to inflict as much damage politically on the Clintons. But that was just handed out. Like you had newsies on the street saying, here's a star report. Um, So Barr really sitting on this thing and soaking it in for whatever reason. um, Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, he promised it today. He promised he would at least brief the Democrats. And I, I just, I just hope he doesn't sit on it for too long. There's really no need to given like the level of, I mean, certainly everyone's saying because it, it, ultimately, at heart, it is an investigation into one of the worst terrorist attacks on the U.S., which is what the Kremlin did in 2016, and and who was complicit in that. And um, so, obviously, there are some things that must be kept confidential, certainly, because because many of these investigations are ongoing, and and there's there's national security considerations. But ultimately, like Barr knows that all eyes are on him now, and so I, it, he should have del- delivered something today. But to your point. It is interesting, like, what is he mulling over? Is it like the chaotic tantrum that his boss in Florida might throw or the meltdown or like how he's trying? I don't know if there's something in there that was worse than expected. He's trying to figure out how to. I don't know. All speculation.
4: Yeah. And I'm not sure that he wouldn't have not or like he I think he would have known at least basically what was in the report before he got it. Uh, I'm assuming he was briefed in, but, you know, one never knows. But I think it's important to note you were talking about the farming out of these investigations. We also know uh, Van Grack, who's one of the prosecutors from Mueller's team, has been tapped to head the new FARA enforcement unit at the Department of Justice, which is the Foreign Agencies Registration Act, uh, which becomes significant for all the pieces of this investigation that never got wrapped up, that involve foreign money and influence, like the inaugural, the NRA, um, broidy you know we found out he was raided a year ago and was selling access to the president maybe even yang cindy yang selling access to the president using straw donors and of course cohen with his essential consultants stuff that that could all simply just be you know they might have had to create this whole new unit to hand off all of those things to it too and if,
1: <laughs> you know the, the
8: whole trump machines creating all these new crimes requiring new new units yeah that's Innovation and crime, innovation and corruption. That's like the real innovation that's going on under this government. Yeah, no, I think and I wanted to comment because I I listened recently to your great interview with Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye. He is my best friend, but <laughs> he doesn't know it. I'm obsessed with that show. So I was so jealous that you were on it on, you know, on his podcast talking to him. I thought a point you made in your discussion <laughs> with Jonathan was really interesting, where you said that you had a theory that William Barr and Mueller are friends. And that gives you faith that I, that William Barr will do the right thing by the American people, just follow the law and not and not as his earlier memo stated, maybe uh, where where he did this whole memo trying to say argue that against obstruction of justice and and in, in the in the case in the case of what Trump did essentially right, um, and that you had a theory that they're friends and and William, we can actually rely on Barr. I thought that was really interesting.
4: Yeah, I, th- I suppose we'll soon know uh, if, that's the tr- if that's the truth, if that's the truth. It was complete and total uh, speculation, but it was, you know, a hopeful, a hopeful one. Um,
8: right. But I think even if that were the case, I know that you know, obviously they worked together for, for, for many years and I've even heard some chatter that their wives are friends. Um, even if that's the case, I feel like both Moeller and Barr, they're institutionalists, right? That's how people are comforting themselves. You keep saying, oh, they're, they're they're upright guys. Even Barr, despite that memo, is an upright guy. You can count on him. I still think that even the institutionalists are are going to be outgunned here because the enemy is so brazen and is the enemy is so shameless. And I've seen this for many years now w- covering Kremlin aggression, where the West keeps trying to act by a certain set of rules and decency. And the Kremlin just goes in and just slits their throats, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Wow, we did not see this coming." But they do it again and again, and I just feel like at the when you have Trump and Putin talking on the phone all the time, as, as we know, they 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 carry on conversations. They're, they're, Putin's in Trump's ear, and when you have Putin and when sorry Trump, when you have Trump repeating Kremlin talking points and choosing uh, to believe the Kremlin openly above um, U.S. intelligence when you have Trump going to um, the hermit kingdom, North Korea, and le- and legitimizing a man that is a mass murderer, uh, the dictator of North Korea. And, and that is a regime that's propped up in part, large part, by the Kremlin. Um, so this is all being done in the open, like that That he is, the President of the United States is, is has keep telling us again and again and again, like what Mueller's uncovered again and again is that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is an asset of – he's a Russian asset. He's a Kremlin asset. And and we see it. And so my whole thing is that Mueller and, and Barr can be as upright and buy the book and all of that. They can be just Boy Scouts. But Boy Scouts up against essentially the Russian mafia, they don't stand a chance because I, I've seen how Russian aggression plays out. It's insidious. It's brazen. It's they go in as as deep and as far as they can. And once they're in, they go and they push even deeper. And they, they've done that inside Ukraine. They, they've done that in their invasion of Crimea, which was in the works since the mid 2000s. Um, and they, they and they they're so good at what they do that they that just in Crimea as an example of what I'm talking about. Um, they had Russian uh, special forces taking over government buildings military bases inside Crimea. Um, They had these little green men, these Russian soldiers patrolling the streets without the Russian flag on their uniform. And they they somehow managed to convince the world that this was not an invasion, it was a referendum. So you even see so-called credible sources in the West, journalists, say, oh, the Crimea referendum, without any larger context. Oh, when Crimeans voted to split off from Russia. No, no, no. It was First of all, the ballot in that referendum had like two choices, and they were both very similar. It was basically you had no choice but to to have autonomy from Ukraine. And um, those are the two options on the ballot. And and meanwhile, you had people being kidnapped and tortured and killed. Um. And and so what I'm saying is is that just look at Crimea alone. Just examine Crimea alone and what they did there to see what I'm talking about. That that the Kremlin is very 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 good at. Um infiltrating, invading, and muddying the waters with disinformation and brazen theatrics to make you confused and debate what actually happened and to the point where you get exhausted and you give up. So I don't doubt that Mueller certainly is a stand-up wonderful guy and an American hero and all that, but I think the institutionalists are completely outgunned here, literally. <laughs> and And I'm really more worried about them being outmaneuvered by this, this brazen enemy that's just been growing um, in, in the last couple of years alone and just spreading its influence as we've seen with the Brexit vote, which had a Kremlin involvement, which tipped the scales with the rise of the far right across Europe that's being funded in large part by Russia. If you look at Italy today, Italy's practically an Italian, a, a, a Russian vassal state. Italy's like the whole, like, people love Putin in Italy. Politicians proudly take money from the Kremlin. Um, there's Steve Bannon's building a far helping build a far-right academy inside Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I just think I don't want to say the Kremlin's winning, but they're they they're very emboldened, and their influence is spreading, and they've been steadily chipping away at the Western Alliance. So I, I really worry that um the institutionalists don't have <laughs> the training to take on these guys. And I think we're seeing them do the best they can by dividing this sweeping investigations, decentralizing it, as you point out. I think that is a defensive move to try to protect themselves and and to really hit this coalition of corruption by all sides. But I do worry about about the good guys getting outmaneuvered here because I've seen that again and again in, in studying Kremlin aggression.
4: Yeah, and all that on the heels, of course. We learned this week that the White House is now refusing to hand over uh, any and all of those Trump-Putin communications as requested by... House oversight. I think it's the oversight. Um, Mm. It's one of the committees in the House, and that's just astounding. Why would you not want to hand over your communications uh, with Putin? What What are in them?
8: Right. I mean, a lot of Putin advising Trump on how to handle all of this, like and how to get out of it, and so they can get on to business and ruling the world together. And and I have no doubt that's what he's selling Trump on. It's like I'm sure he's like you know, like tickling his ego and saying it's you and me, kid. It's like it's us. The world's ours. And so all of those promises, all of those ideas and, and deals and things like that's, that's what he has um, Trump hypnotized with easily because Trump's such an easy uh, target. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it is, it is a very precarious time for our, for our country, certainly as everyone knows. And I just think that, when you have the Kremlin at the high infiltrating, having infiltrated the highest level of our government, it's such a delicate situation. And I think, I don't know, it's 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 we are The Mueller report may have arrived, but we're we're far out of the woods, as everyone knows.
4: Yeah, exactly. That's it's exactly how they operate. They do things like dangle Trump Tower Moscow, and then pull the rug out when they've got what they want. And of course, a lot of us are sitting here thinking, "No way, Trump could ever outsmart Mueller." But Putin, on the other hand, and I'm not necessarily saying outsmart him, but Putin uh, is—he's old KGB man. He 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 knows what he's doing, and he's very good at what he does.
8: Exactly right. Exactly right. And and under him, it's just been this resurgence of uh russian imperialism like he he's modeled himself as a czar like a hybrid of uh, the russian empire with a lot of the repression tactics of the soviet secret police and um you know bringing back stalin and glorifying stalin and throwing in prison historians that expose stalin's great terror and so forth and um you've just seen a lot of um you've just seen a lot of success success stories by by him just acting so aggressively. And I just think it's because the West underestimates him and has for many years. And if you want proof of that, go watch that excellent documentary. I think I've mentioned it on your show before. The final year, looking at Obama's White House, the foreign policy team in the final year as Russia is attacking our democracy. And you see Ben Rhodes, Obama's foreign policy mind, on election night, when the when the results come in and and Trump has won, and Ben Rhodes is like sh- shell shocked, of course, like everyone was, and Ben Rhodes says to the camera, "Wow, I guess we underestimated the Russians." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you did, you absolutely did. That's a big component of how we got here, and um, that's you know, Ukraine has been able to catch the Russians, like literally hacking their election results. Um, you, it was a Ukrainian investigative journalist. Sergei Leshchenko, who was delivered the final death blow to Manafort with the Black Ledger story that ultimately pushed Manafort off of the Trump campaign back in August 2016, um, Ukraine it had its military decimated with corruption under Yanukovych and has still managed to fend off the Kremlin's invasion. Like they're doing really, really well, considering that the, that the, that Russia is the second most powerful military in the world, and the reason is because Ukraine knows the hard way not to underestimate the Russians and Ukraine is a country that that should not even exist because it was it was just so um you, millions of Ukrainians were starved deliberately in a genocide under Stalin in the 1930s and they suffered of course some of the greatest casualties during World War II so it's a country that's undergone so much and 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 it's and it's and that's strengthened it in some ways of course to always expect the worst from the Kremlin and to always uh, know how the Kremlin operates and and how and how to outmaneuver it. So there's so much we can learn from Ukraine uh, because it has been a testing lab for Kremlin aggression for so many years. And Ukrainians tried to worry to, to warn Obama for a very long time about what the Kremlin was was doing for a very long time. I saw that. I followed that closely. And um, and so I just think that Americans are finally being forced to wake up to just how dirty and insidious the tactics of Russian aggression are and, and how clever and how far reaching they are Like people laughed at first when all the news was coming out about the bot campaigns mm-hmm. oh, oh how oh how did they attack us with these like, anonymous twitter accounts and then we learned they were on every single social media platform available <laughs> right they just they were everywhere like, with messaging targeting diverse different groups and and so they leave nothing to chance because they because what it is is it's asymmetrical warfare. We're we're the biggest military in the world. They're the underdog, so they have to be this clever. They have to be this insidious. They have to be this far-reaching, and they have to hit us on all sides because we're the bigger guys, and that's what they do. And we underestimate them because we think we're the bigger guys, and and they and they, at the same time, what they're doing is they're exploiting our weaknesses. So my big concern with having their Asset in the White House and and his cabinet of kleptocrats and his de facto President of the United States daughter and her husband uh, trading foreign policy secrets, that, um, threatening our national security in exchange for enriching themselves. My concern is that all of this vacuum of power essentially has made it possible for the Kremlin to come in, infiltrate deeper, grab what they can, map what they can, get, our, get, a, get an even better sense of how we work so to further exploit everything we have going on, including our weaknesses, so they can go in deeper and stay in. So on, on our show, Gaslit Nation, we're, oh, we're, we're not talking about 2020. We're talking about 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like what our country will could could look like um because of this huge foot in the door that the Kremlin got through Donald Trump in 2016 and how far that can go and what it means. Because knowing the Russians, knowing what I've seen, once they're in, they do not leave. They they push further, and so that's really what we're up against, and 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 that's why the Mueller report is just one little moment in a very long timeline of us having to confront this infiltration at, at the highest levels of our government up and down, including and in all facets, including, um, you know, w- with how they fund propaganda, how they spread propaganda through social media bots, through useful idiots in the West and so forth, through funding think tanks and all of it, so. It's a very long operation. So anybody, for instance, who tells you well, what are you going to do, Mueller? She wrote other reports here. They don't understand what we're up against.
4: No, not at all. Um, and it, it's funny you brought that up too, uh, with that documentary. And I think isakov and Korn covered it pretty well in Russian Roulette too. That final year of the Obama administration, and and Rhodes saying we underestimated the Russians. It's it's true, and we did. And uh, it it's kind of it's frightening when you, when you look at the big picture and and that. There are people who think that because a Mueller report was handed in that, oh, everything's fine and we're safe.
8: No, we've always said we even at Gaslight Nation, we had like we had episodes called Robert Mueller will not save you. Mm-hmm. And then we had an episode on um, Robert Mueller's low hanging fruit or something like that, because showing that he was going for all like the easy pieces and leaving the kids alone, even though the kids were central to the campaign. Uh, you know, Jared Kushner was in that June two thousand and sixteen quid pro quo meeting with the with the Russians. Um, Jared Kushner brought in Cambridge Analytica. Uh, Jared Jared and Ivanka had a, had the final say on who the VP was going to be. Ivanka helped lead the transition team. Flynn said that the transition team was the one that told him to call the Russians to reassure them. Um, Gates and Manafort both closely advised the transition team. So Jared and Ivanka were central to all of this. They knew what they, of course, knew what was going on. Because when you're working in politics, information is power. Intelligence is power. So Ivanka and Trump, is, it was they were central. They were the masterminds in all of this. They, they of course, knew what was happen- happening. And um, so the fact that they had been... Largely untouched, and the, except for these exposes coming out about just how they're abusing their power and literally st- like selling state secrets to enrich themselves. Uh, and as we saw with that whole uh, nuclear uh, technology deal going on with the Saudis, and Jared having a really close relationship with the Saudi crown prince, and even assisting in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the, the butchering, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. I mean, all of it just shows. Um, you know, what, how they've, how kleptocratic that the, that this govern this White House has been and how, um, and and Ivanka getting like trademarks for electronic voting machines in China and Vicky Ward's book coming out saying, yeah, she, she does want to be president. Like they, they see a Trump dynasty coming. So I think (laughs) I, this is what it looks like. I, I mean, all of this is, is very obvious to anyone that's studied Cryptocracies in other countries, authoritarianism throughout history. This is the playbook for it. It's not innovative. It's just corruption, plain and simple, and people being, yes, that greedy.
4: Absolutely. And and I, I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned um, because I want to talk to you about based on your expertise. I wanted to know what your thoughts on the new reporting uh, that came out this week that Kushner was using. Clandestine methods of communication, WhatsApp, to speak to leaders of foreign countries. And specifically, I was reminded of that time when uh, the Saudi crown prince got the intel on traitors to the crown. uh, And then a month later, everybody was chased out. And I'm just, I kind of am wondering, like, what sort of things were communicated between Kushner and the Saudi crown prince using secret uh, messaging apps? That's insane.
8: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, these two millennial princes (laughs) over WhatsApp. Um, dividing their shares of the world. Um, yeah, no, it was there. There was some just so to add to that. There was some disturbing reporting. I believe it was the Washington Post, where um they mentioned that uh the Saudi crown prince and Jared Kushner um would stay up when when Jared was over there. Um, he they the two of them would stay up till all hours of the night until like 4 a.m. The two of them just talking late into the night, and I called it like slumber parties. <laughs> and But that's how close they are. Is um, they're very much. They almost have like that Putin and Trump bromance, and they do have that Putin and Trump bromance. And and so certainly, um, Jared had the the reality of the situation for them. If you look at it from their their perspective, they know they're in trouble. These are people who have come up through investigations. Their parents have have been investigated or in, in prison. Um, You know, Cy Vance, uh, the Manhattan DA, looked the other way in a a fraud case with Ivanka and Don Jr. frauding investors in Osoho. So these guys know they're in trouble and the writing's on the wall. And so they're going to do anything to protect themselves. And so what Jared is essentially doing with his bromance with MBS is he's aligning himself with um, an incredibly powerful ally and doing favors for that ally. With the with with the clear intent that he can rely on that ally for intelligence, for funding, um, for anything to sort of protect him in, in any any way, like protect his his um, investments, protect his you know his his, his cursed property six 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 and Fifth Avenue mean, those sort of things. Um. So so Jared knows that they're coming for him here in the U S. So he's making sure that his that his buddy Netanyahu in Israel and that his buddy M B S in Saudi Arabia have they have his back in in sort of you know sharing intelligence with him and and and, and consultations I'm sure and, and how to out outplay this thing and out, how to escape it I mean that's what Putin and Trump are doing that's why they're talking on the phone all that's why Putin and Trump are talking on the phone all the time that's why um, Trump refuses to hand over the phone records of what he talks about with Putin it's because they're getting consulted um, by by uh, by these very powerful um, Dictators and kleptocrats, and in Netanyahu's case, Netanyahu was in, was investigated for, uh, for corruption and indicted by his own own government. So it's all birds of feather flocking together, and and what we're seeing really is like a, a new world order and alignment of these kleptocrats and dictators. Because by doing this, by um, wearing down and chipping away at that pesky Western alliance that likes to sh- sanction people, including oligarchs and and, and industries. Um, what they're doing is they're 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 avoiding accountability and they're um, in- enriching themselves and they're able to do what they want and get away with it. Erdogan is part of this, of course. If Erdogan wants to butcher the Kurds, um, he can. Who's going to hold him accountable? Mm-hmm. The, not, certainly not the U.S. anymore, um, and and Europe will be too divided for that. So it's so it's all part of a plan. I mean, it's it's all self-interest. There's nothing mysterious or there's no mystique. There's no spy novel. It's not Austin Powers. you know, it's a super team of super villains. It's just greed, plain and simple. It it couldn't be, it's like, it's just, there's nothing exciting or sexy or anything about it. It's just a bunch of people just trying to, uh, do get rich and just live life and and being masters of the universe at the expense of others. All
4: right. Well, um, before I let you go, any silver linings?
8: (laughs) (laughs) Always. Yeah. No, I always, I'm, yeah, I'm very big on that because, you know, you, you and I have talked quite a bit by this point, and I do stay up, and I do, I, I am, you know, I am able to get out of bed in the morning because what, you, because I'm, i in studying Ukraine, especially, you see what civic activists, civic leaders, investigative journalists have done to confront kleptocracy in their own country, and you just have to wear them down, you have to expose them, and that's the secret of it is. Um, You can't give up first. You have to force them to finally, you know, try a new tactic. And so, what it is is we just have to exhaust each other, and whoever gets exhausted first loses. Whoever falls down, it's like a boxing match essentially. And so that's how I stay in there. But um, but I think ultimately, as as we've always said, um, it's not about the Mueller report ever. It's you have to look past that, and. If anybody wants to get into the fight in a very big, effective way, the best way to do it, in my opinion, from what I've researched and what ke- what gives me hope, is if you look at groups like Every District, there's an excellent group called Every District, and what they've figured out uh, through their own battle-hardened experience and research is that if you want to take back your country, you have to do it on the local level. And so Every District identifies um, important races from the, the, t- the bottom up. In states across the country, and they're and they're helping you put money into progressive races, progressive causes. They're they're helping um, strengthen voting rights, expand voting rights across the union. And they were instrumental in that big blue wave that we saw in not only 2018, but also in Virginia in 2017, where when all those women came into the the state legislature and legislature leg, in legislature, (laughs) whatever, the the state government in Virginia, and they were they were a big part of that. They're architects of that. So um, there's no getting out of this. Uh, The only way of getting out of this is through hard work and smart organization and the power of communities, communities leading the power of the grassroots. That is, as we saw with the blue wave in 2018, that is that is a very real power. That is why the Democrats have the House. Um, And and don't underestimate that power. Don't underestimate your power. And that is what keeps me going. And and I just follow so many stories of people doing the same thing, independent journalists, um, grassroots coalitions. And that is what ultimately will help us strengthen the social fabric, um, improve quality of life, build a more progressive union and take back our country. That's the only way out of this is through hard work and smart organization.
4: So it still comes down to us, like it always does. We just have to vote in numbers too big to manipulate, I think is the answer. I think that always has been. So,
8: <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, we are the Robert Mueller we've been waiting for.
4: Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> I appreciate that, and I do appreciate the silver linings. Uh, one last one, and I guess this is kind of a small one, but uh, Audrey Strauss, um, the prosec- the prosecutor who took down Roy Cohn, is returning to the Southern District of New York to serve as second-in-command to. George Berman, who, as we know, recused himself from the Cohen investigation or the Cohen case for undisclosed reasons, but um, that we were worried about, um, the, you know, the vacancy left behind there. And I think that uh, I'm I'm happy with uh, who they've who they've put in there.
8: Oh, I'm thrilled. I think anybody that can defeat Trump's mentor, Roy, Roy Cohen, who is dirtier than Manafort and Stone combined, basically helped raise those two. Um, I think that's a really wonderful uh, poetic sign you know as you know as a screenwriter as a filmmaker I I I did see that and think oh that's she'd make a great story you know vehicle to tell this story through given her um incredible history so yeah I think that's really exciting and that's me obviously we're not going to get much anything coming out of that in terms of leaks I'm sure they'll they'll run a tight ship but when when all is said and done, hopefully she'll be remembered as one of the heroes of this chapter
4: again. Yeah, here's hoping. Well, I appreciate you taking time out today, everybody. Author of Orwell and the Refugees, you can get that wherever you uh, get your books, and co-host of Gaslit Nation, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts, Andrea Chalupa. Andrea, thanks for joining us on Muller She Wrote, and we will see you March 30th when you join our panel live at the Bell House in Brooklyn.
8: Excited to see you guys. Thanks for all you do.
4: Thanks, too. All right, you guys, that is our show this week. Uh, I just checked Patreon. We're at 6,991 patrons, so look for daily updates to start dropping soon, just for patrons, as we work to develop a new show called The Daily Beans. That'll be a daily news show, um, and that. but that's going to take a while. It's going to take, and, you know, not forever, but it'll take a while to develop. But in the meantime, I want to give you guys your daily updates, so don't panic, everyone. The Mueller report was going to come out, and Trump people were always going to think of themselves as innocent when it did Uh, We all know what's really happening, and we'll be following all the spinoff investigations, all the ongoing prosecutions. We had figured Trump wouldn't be indicted because of the Department of Justice policy. And we'll be covering Bijan Kian's trial, Roger Stone's trial, and any other trials that come up from this. Uh, This report is the end of the beginning. And now the real work starts. So like Andrea Chalupa said, we are the Mullers we've been waiting for. So we will see you at the Miracle Theater in D.C. Friday in the Bell House in Brooklyn on Saturday. Grab tickets at MullerSheWrote.com. Follow us on Twitter at MullerSheWrote. Please be kind to each other and take care of each other. Do you guys have any final thoughts?
5: I just thought it was beautiful what Andrea said. We're the mullers we've been waiting for. That is so nice.
4: Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. we to get
5: t-shirts for that or something.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay patient, I guess. And don't let this stuff in- get in your head. And don't second guess your feelings and your gut feelings about things.
4: Yep. Yeah, stay strong, kids. We'll see you out on the road. Uh, and we will be dropping a recording of uh, <laughs> the podcast that we do at, I think, probably the Bell House. I'm not sure yet. You'll get, you'll get to hear it uh, unless something goes wrong with the recording equipment, in which case, I don't know, maybe we'll put out a book club episode or <laughs> record something last minute in a, maybe somebody has a studio we can borrow in New York uh, on Sunday. If that's, well, maybe we should set that up just in case. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you on the road. We love you. I've been AG. I've been Julissa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote.
2: And And this this is is how we we win.
4: MSW Media.
0: Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct.